guys, I'm back. Got a lot to talk about this week. Let me see where to begin. Alright, first, win skating today. It was me and Westgate. Uh, we met up with Billy Roper. What up, Roper? That was fun. And Dan McGrath, the filmer, AIN filmer. We went around Providence, stacked some clips, watched Westgate get gnarly. Um, yeah, we're just working for the next All I Need video. I'm really hyped, man. We've been making these missions out on the weekend, like me, Corey Goonan, Billy Drown, Ryan Adelman, the whole crew, basically. And we just go out, and we went to Connecticut the weekend before that, met up with our homie Ricky, who shoots photos, and he showed us some new spots, and Connecticut was really fun, man. I, I'm so excited for this video to drop. We don't even have a name for the All I Need video, so anybody listening to this, if you if you can think of a sick name for the All I Need video... Uh, please, hit me up. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, however. Just, I want to hear what you guys think would be a cool name. I've been brainstorming, like, at work, daydreaming about the video. Like, how sick it's going to be. I've been seeing the tricks going down, man. And we just, we're stacking until the weather permits, like, the weather basically forces us to stop, you know? Because it's going to get snowy here. And then we might even do another trip uh, somewhere warm, I'm thinking Louisiana, what up Charlie Thomas, we just released the podcast with him, and he's got skate spots down there for days, so maybe we'll make it down that way, uh, but yeah, if you could think of a video name, a title for our All I Need video, the next one dropping, uh, hit me up, let me hear, I want to hear it, share, please, uh, I think, I bet, I bet you guys would have some cool names for sure, what else do we got, oh, yes, so this week we just put out our new AIN hoodie, embroidery on the left chest the a logo man we did it uh i think it's like 3,000 stitches the quality is perfect it came out amazing it's sick to see it man and i'm stoked that shops have ordered it and the, the hoodies are moving and it's really cool man i got one right now i'm just looking at it like tripping out it's just like i don't know i'm stoked man if you guys want to check it out you can go to the website all i need skate.com or all i need apparel.com you can get there, you can check out the hoodie. What else we got this week? Oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be pretty sick. Uh, actually, this podcast won't be out till Monday. So Sunday, which is tomorrow. Uh, the Vulcan Wild in the Parks, a free contest at Skater's Edge. Uh, I'm going to go hang out, check it out, and root all the killers on out there, shredding. So that's coming up. I'm excited. What else we got? Oh, AIN Life, episode two. That's dropping. Um, the beginning of September. This is that episode. This is the big episode. I'm really excited to share with you guys, but I'm also really embarrassed because I do scream like a bitch when I'm skydiving. And, uh, <laughs> like, I definitely just, I'm embarrassed of the footage, but, I, I mean, it's me, man. You guys can see it. it. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it is what it is, man. But, uh, yeah, we, Corey Goonan, me, my lady, Dash, we go skydiving, man. Skydive surprise episode. That's dropping. And uh, that, all this stuff will be up on the website, allineedskate.com and allineedapparel.com, either or. I'll post everything there so it's easy to get and no confusion. What else? Oh, today. Today's podcast, man. Chris Naracco. Uh If you're a skate fan, you'll remember Big Brother. You'll remember Skinema, his book. You'll remember his interviews, man. He's had some of the craziest interviews with pro skateboarders and musicians and... Chris Naracco is an original, one-of-a-kind person. Personally, he's one of my favorite people. When 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 he was down to do the podcast, I was just, like, honored, you know? And uh, 
I'm just psyched he came on, and I'm hyped for you guys to hear this one. It's a, it's a good one. Chris is the fucking man, dude. He named his his whole family Chris. His wife's name's Chris. His kids' names are Chris. they're the Chris's. Genius, guys, a genius. And it, uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that. Let me see, is there anything else that we didn't cover? Mm, oh, New England Ham's coming up, man. It's it's just about a month away. And uh, shops are signing up, man. I'm stoked. I'm stoked for the shops, man. We got Max Hesh in there, Technical. We got a bunch, man. Elemental, Theory, Red Alert, Civil Solstice, North of the Border, Orchard, Breakwater, all these shops. I'm reaching out Long's Board Shop in Maine. Uh, Backwoods, I think, is interested. We got a bunch of shops, and we got a bunch of product coming in. We're going to do a new best trick. We got the after party. I'm, like, getting nervous and, like, the chills and excitement because last year there was so much energy and the fucking skate park was alive, man. And there were so many skateboarders and they were all shredding so hard. And I'm really excited for this year. Ramsey's going to be hyped up on the mic. Um, we got Timmy Knuth flying out for all I need. We're going to fly him out so he could be a guest judge. And just, like, we get to see the homie again. I miss that fool. And just to witness Timmy Canoe's skateboarding abilities, holy shit. If you want to see Timmy doing crazy stuff, you go to All I Need Skate on Instagram and just look at the skill and the finesse and the the rad. And Timmy is shreds. And on top of that, the dude's just an epic human. Full skate rat. Fucking hilarious. Witty. Timmy Knuth, I'm a fan, if you can't tell. So, uh, yeah, that's going on. I don't think there's anything else I'm missing here. Trying to think, I was gonna mow my lawn, but then I didn't have any gas in the lawnmower and no backup gas in the tank, so I called that out and I was like, you know, I'm gonna get this podcast together so I can get it out there. And I looked and uh, Chris Naraco was up, so I was like, time to share this one. What else? I think that's it, man. I blabble, I babbled, I babbled on long enough, and let's just get into it. And as always, seriously, thank you so much for all the positive feedback. And I love you guys, and and I hope everyone out there is just crushing it and pursuing their passion and excited about the future. Let's get it. Bye. This is the Shetler Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make up. When things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. I hope they get it, I'm sick of explaining history I'm rolling with a circle of winners, we claim the victories Yeah, come on! It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard You're in a transitional world right now Yeah, it's just basically going for it, you know Sometimes you don't think about getting hurt or slamming But, you know, it happens, it's skateboarding You know, it happens every day Yeah, people are worried about skateboarding and the state of the industry The truth is, we are the industry Skateboarders are the industry Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place Just like, it's like we take over the streets Chris Anthony. Yes. All right. Chris is live. We're here. Hello, people out there listening. I want to go over a list of things that I'm looking at. We got a lot to cover today. So you want to maybe introduce me so they know who's talking? No, 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 no. <laughs> we'll I get, love it already. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right, Chris, you've done a lot of cool things. Chris who? 
Chris Naracco. All right, there you go. Now I've been identified. Hopefully they'll look at the like the link before they click it and they go, Chris Naracco. I fucking heard of that dude. He did. He was right. Yeah, if they look at my name, they are not gonna click it. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I would click it. I'm being. I don't, I don't know, dude. Tim O'Connor's got the guns. You got Chris Naracco. You might want to get a new talent scout. No, I I went. I got the Muska first, and then I went to the. Oh well, that's a real drop off in talent set. <laughs> <laughs> Very as interesting. You're as interesting as the Muska, though. Wow. Uh, no man, pressure. I want, that, I want that on my headstone. <laughs> All right. Here's just a list. We're not even going to start on any of these. I'm just going to say Big Brother, Skinema, Vice Films, Porno. We also, you jackass. Uh, I wrote a list, but we're going to start at the beginning. Because what I really want to know, I've known Chris for years now, and I went to Portugal with him, which was one of the best fucking trips i've ever been on i don't know if i've ever told you that no i didn't but i assumed it any trip that anyone takes with me is usually the best trip dude that that was the most unorthodox trip too because we had like babies and girlfriends and like such a crazy crew of people like you wouldn't even i couldn't even dream up the roster and it was amazing no man it's a trip because uh you know my boy is born september 11th so his birthday is like a month away and uh he was. We celebrated his 10-month birthday when we were out there. He learned to stand on that trip. So yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> where? How did that come to be? How did that come to be? Like, where did it all start? How did you pick the crew? Um. There was a time in skateboarding when you could dream up any trip you wanted, and somebody somewhere would pay for it. Fuck yeah. And uh, it's not as common nowadays because. Uh, you know, people are holding their wallets kind of close to their chest. Yeah. But back then, um, I was like, dude, you know what would be really sick is if I, I – I just want to go to Portugal, period. You know, like me and my wife had gone for a month for a honeymoon. So I was just like, dude, I want to go to Portugal with a bunch of my friends. And so I, I just, was just like, I'm going to find out every skater that's Portuguese. And I just started researching it. And, uh, yeah, man, I, like, found out Jeff Landy, photographer, is Portuguese. And uh, I had Todd Jordan lie to me and say he was Portuguese. <laughs> Uh, he's definitely not portuguese he was so not portuguese it was great uh quim cardona zarid uh ron diley you uh my buddy nico magalies you know a bunch of dudes ricardo fonseca from cliche and i was just like it'd be sick just to put together a trip and uh you know that's what we did we just uh i called up red bull they helped out fuel tv was still around and not doing mma and so they were down and Damn. We just, we just, we just did it. We just pulled it. We did just. Did you, uh, did you instantly go? Okay, I gotta find like short, like balding, hairy armed Portuguese man, and then you called me. Um, you know what, man? I think you uh, and I have just stumbled across the conversation because up your way is like the biggest collective of Portuguese in the country. So like, I actually automatically started thinking Boston skaters, you know, like New England skaters, because that's like the biggest collective. Yeah. In America. Fall River, uh, New Bedford, all over these these cities. It's like a big Portuguese families. Yeah, tons. And so other, aside from that, like, I just uh, started, like, there was, like, a, 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 I Googled Portuguese names. And there was, like, dudes that were coming up. Like, Navarrete is a Portuguese name. And he was claiming he's Mexi, but I think he's Portuguese. Um, Jordan? Jordan looked, was it Todd? Yeah, Todd <laughs> no. Jordan. No. He, he just claimed it. He just wanted to go on a trip. So, And at that point, I was just like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. That's, you know, that was, like, seriously one of the best tricks I've ever, ever been on, Chris. And, like, 
you picked the craziest dudes. Like Louis Barletta was there. That was him. Oh yeah, Louis. That's right. Yeah, was, that was like what five years ago. That was like when he was fifty-five. So <laughs> he was pretty young back then. Dude, amazing trip. All right, all right. We're enough of that. Enough fucking fantasy. Well, one thing that you should put in there just to get kids stoked is uh, my buddy who worked at Fuel at the time, Paul Gonsalves. Oh, yeah. uh, his dad is the biggest exporter of wine in Portugal to Brussels. And remember that house we stayed at? We opened up the garage and it was a brand new BMW and a pallet of red wine. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of the trip, we didn't even drink water at skate spots anymore. We just drank like red wine in the burning sun. We, we, all right, here's how I tell people that trip. I go, we were fucking pirates because we stayed on his like vineyard. And we had all the wine you could imagine, and there was a private beach. So, like, we'd all go down to the private beach, light a fire, fucking pass out like pirates with bottles of wine in our hand. I woke up, and Zared was, like, burning sun, and his mouth was wide open. Like, I thought he dried out and died. And, uh, but yeah, that was, like, that's what made it amazing. You could literally just go fucking sleep outside. That's how beautiful Portugal is. Yeah, man. It was nuts. I just, the one thing that stuck out in my mind was, like, uh, I don't even know if you guys knew this, um, you know, because I had my wife with me and I had my 10, 10-month-old 10 boy. And uh, one night we all got just so shit-faced. And uh, my room was like, I don't know, I don't know if I rolled in shit or something, but my room was where all the flies and mosquitoes tended to congregate. And they were like nonstop. <laughs> Dude, I woke up in the middle of the night with mosquitoes all over me and I had to just take a piss. And I didn't even know where I was and I just stood up. And I just started pissing in the corner, thought I was in the bathroom. My wife was just, she was irate. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I'm just pissing, just barely missing my kids, little, like, bassinet. Dude, it was fucking amazing. You should have slept on the beach because there was no mosquitoes. Must have been the ocean breeze. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, if I was drunk enough to piss in my bedroom, I'm sure I would have been drunk enough to throw my baby in the ocean. <laughs> your, your girl, your lady, and your child, everyone was so chill, and Zara brought his lady, and that, like, it worked. You would, I've been on one other trip where there was girls involved, and it was a split trip with Billy Marks and Johnny Layton, and they both, both bought, brought their girlfriends. And your situation was a little different, because you guys are married, you know, with kids. And it did not go well. <laughs> no, man. It, like, if you're just dating a chick, not the best to bring her on the road and show her that, like, dudes tend to go to whorehouses. <laughs> uh, but, like, the best quote was, you know, John Mata was on that trip, too, which was, like, a shock. Because, yeah. like, I, I found out Mata was a Portuguese name, and I called him up, and I was like, hey, are you Portuguese? And he's like, I don't know. Let me ask my mom. And I hear him in the background. He's like, mom, am I Portuguese? He's like, yeah. He had no clue that he was Portuguese. Yeah. But he got on a trip, and he, like, you know, he's a stockier dude, and he brought, brought, like, a bunch of boards. I think he had, like, ten boards for two weeks. It was pretty surprising. And uh, and he, like, he says to me, after the fact, he goes, dude, when I first saw that baby and your girlfriend, I wanted to focus all ten of my boards and get back on the plane and go back to Phoenix. <laughs> but by the end of the trip, dude, he was, like, in love with my kid. And then, like, even after, dude, he sends videos of, like, him making silly goo-goo-ga-ga faces for my kids all the time. And he fell yes. in love. And he fucking destroyed it on that trip. Yeah, I remember, dude. So yeah, amazing. He's the sickest. It's a shame that, like, more people aren't messing with him more because that kid ripped so hard. Yeah. He, from Arizona, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Desert Rats. All yeah. those dudes are really fucking good. For yeah, they sure. got a good thing going on out there. All right, Chris. We're going to start at the beginning. I want to uh, know, what are your, what is your parents like? What are um, your mom and your dad? Uh, my dad's dead. Never really got to know him. He was an asshole. Damn. Uh, 
just drunk handed me that uh, alcoholic trait. Thank you. Thank you, right? Yeah, thanks. Hey, at least you gave me something. <laughs> Fuck me, uh, right? <laughs> and then my mom, my mom is just like, you know, she's a short, squat, little Portuguese lady. She just retired two months ago. She's okay. like, she's tougher than any of us combined. She worked 45 years loading boxes in a warehouse, man. Like, Jesus. came over to this country when she was 16. Basically, like, the American dream failed. You know, like, terrible husband, terrible job, questionable kid, you know. <laughs> um, you know, so... You know, but she's the sweetest lady. She's really good. Um, well, I mean, let's be fair. Let's be fair. You're not. You you could you could have turned out way worse. You didn't know me the first half of my life. I wasn't so good. <laughs> I like, dude. I I'm still like in in like emotional and mental debt to people for saving my life. Oh man, I can relate. I can understand that completely. Your mom. So your mom worked and worked and worked, and she provided. Yeah, man. Damn. Yeah, yeah three kids. Um, you know, worked at, uh, she worked at Johnson and Johnson, which makes Tylenol, but they also make tampons. So that was like a thing in my house. Like whenever, um, <laughs> like whenever new girl, I didn't like, I hated bringing girlfriends to the house or like even having them come by because my mom would be the sweetest and the girls would think it would be the sweetest. And I'd be like, come on. She'd be like, Hey, nice to meet you. Do you use tampons or, or pads? It's like, <laughs> And a chick would be like, at first, kind of like, whatever, but, you know, I guess tampons are expensive, and they'd leave, like, with a case of tampons to the head and be so stoked on my mom. <laughs> the free hookup, the tampons. Yeah, man, hookup. like, two years worth of fucking bleeders. Oh, man. <laughs> they were just, they were stoked on it. <laughs> hey, that's really, like, just bringing a girl over, and you're already talking about, like, what type of pad they use for their vagina. Your mom's already having that conversation. That's, like, really quick. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's a cut to the chase. My joke was like, you know, my hometown got really devastated by um, Hurricane Sandy. And my joke was like, I was I told my mom, I was like, how come you weren't on the front line showing some support? Like, like creating a wall of like just tampons to like hold the water back. <laughs> like, dude, if she was down by the Rarenton River, she could have saved everybody. <laughs> just 30 years of saving tampons. She brings dude. it out right at the crucial time, like nails it. She's a hoarder, man. Like our attic, like honestly, if you just took uh, turned her house upside down, like her attic could absorb like probably <laughs> maybe not the ocean but at least a bay yes <laughs> dude it's crazy well so where do we go from there did you how'd you find skateboarding living with your mom were you in new, new jersey yeah always in new jersey um my buddy my good friend um dave hatala he was like he came he got transferred into our school at like second grade and he came in showed up with a skateboard um and i got and then he built like a, a mini ramp in his backyard maybe like seventh grade and that's like when we really got into it. he was already into it for a couple of years but like i really got into it then like and like back then it was just like all like kind of like a mini ramp scene in my area and so um i didn't even really know how to like street skate or ollie for a couple of years yeah um, that's had like like one of those pvc slider bars in front of his house too so there was like you'd bomb this little hill to his house hit the slider bar and then just run in the backyard and like you know, skate the mini ramp all day long. Yeah, I think mini ramp's crucial, man. I, when I do skateboard lessons, I get the kids to learn how to pump because I feel like if they pump and learn how to ride a mini ramp, their legs are going to be strong as shit. So when they do want to have a lot of pop on flat, they'll already have that muscle built up and they'll have control of the fucking skateboard. 
No, for sure. I, I agree. I suck at it now, man. Like, probably when I was, I think, right about going into high school, I broke my leg in three spots on a mini ramp. Fuck. And, I, and like, dude, I, like, my heel was in the front of my foot, and I thought I broke my foot off. I, like, went into shock. Yeah. But I was, like, I've been pretty gun-shy about it ever since. Like, I fuck with a little bit. I got a little two-footer in my backyard that I dick around with, but, like, you know, I pretty much suck. Um, and that two-footer in my backyard is, like, two jersey barriers with flat in between basically <laughs> for my little kids just janky little thing dude my friend um eric monroe uh who really got me into all this into writing in general um he put together the street course at uh street luge uh they have the street luge contest every year that deer dick puts on in newark and he puts is it really little... called hold on is it really called street luge I mean, it should be, you know, it's it's street league, but we all call it street luge. Cause oh, that uh, place, that thing! I talk about them on my podcast. Yeah, they throw that. Yeah, it's cool. It's I can't wait for the Olympics. <laughs> um, so he, my buddy, was, like built a little street course that kids get to play with outside, and uh, he he hit me up and he's like, "Hey, do you want this?" And I was like, "Do I want what?" And he's like, you can have the whole street course. I was like, where the, where am I gonna put a whole street course, yeah, man? What the I mean, it'd be dope, but I got no place to put it. And I was like, hey, can you break me off those two quarters and just a little bit of flat, and I'll just slap it together and make a little mini ramp in my backyard. And uh, and he was like, yeah, sure. So I drove up to the contest in a 14-foot U-Haul. We took a um, forklift through two tr- sets of trannies and, a, and some flat in the back. Nope. I unloaded it the next day. Um, uh, ramp builders from Staten Island, uh, Ed Pulio from Red Bull, put it together. And I got like a dope little like weatherproof mini ramp in the backyard. But those the transitions are perfect to drop in on and get a little bit of speed for a small street course. Uh, They're not meant to be right across from each other with some flat in between. I mean, they are just two foot tall, super tight, super steep, and it sucks. So it's, so it's safe to say you train on the street league course. At, that's basically, I, I mean, my TF is the street <laughs> that fucking explains it all dude yeah i mean that's how i'm getting so good for a 40 year old if i get in if i ever got into that contest could i come to your house which which will never happen i don't even want to do it to be honest but if a, if, if for fucking some godly sake i do get in can i come train i don't know dude I, i'm gonna have to treat it like maybe like you know barrack style like what's your religious belief you know? <laughs> i had them on the podcast too you believe aliens <laughs> Oh, I talked to Steve. I asked him about Scientology and uh never heard of it. Yeah, he kind of explained like what the benefits he took from it. That's like how he left it. And then we talked about skateboarding. I want to go back to the Olympics a little bit. Do you really think skateboarding will make it in the Olympics? Oh, yeah, it'll make it. It's going to fucking suck, but it's going to make it. It'll so, be there. But it'll just be like the dudes, like wouldn't it just be like Bob Burnquist and like those type of dudes that are like next level? No, I mean, yeah, sure. I guess there'll be a little bit of that, but think about it. Um, the best dudes typically are from America, and then you've got, like, you know, like, Brazilians are pretty sick. Uh, but how many how many dope people are coming from Mozambique? You know, they're going to have to have a team. It's going to be painful, that's for starters. I mean, and that's not even, like, the beginning of my problems with it. Like, I can't wait to see our, our uniforms. <laughs> Imagine uh, uniforms. Oh, it's going to suck, dude. I mean, they already had them for, like, you know, BMX uniforms for the opening of some Olympics. It's, you know, there's one there's one uh, tennis shoe company that's making a hard push. Um, they just bought a chick. Um, 
that naked chick from that ESPN issue. And then, like, supposedly Nigel is going to get on the team next because they just want to own the Olympics, you know, and I get it. You know, it's like the rule is you have to have, like, I'm told that you have to have a, a girl counterpart. Yeah, you know, so there's uh, you'll, uh, you'll sing, like, the girl equivalent. Um, like I like how you're using, like, alter ego names for these people. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, it's just, I mean, it's just, you know, like, you're, you hang out in a skate shop. We all have nicknames for people. Yeah, know? yeah, we got a crew for sure. And it's amazing. I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing to be in the Olympics. I think it sounds like it would suck for me because that's not my thing and I wouldn't want to do it. But would it be bad or good overall for skateboarding? How do you feel? Uh, it's going to suck, dude, because the reason... And shit or what? Just like... I mean, what's the reason you got into skateboarding? Yeah, not because I did the opposite because I didn't want to play sports because it was more like an individual thing where you could you could still have a crew. But like skateboarding is uniquely ours. Like it's uniquely yours. My relationship with a skateboard is you can't have a team. You can all have, you know, you know what I'm oh, saying. So, exactly. And like the thing that I always loved about it was like that it's it was always, always super rebellious. You yeah, know, fuck like, yeah. you know fuck everything, fuck you, fuck your rules. And now it's like, you know, they're going to tell skaters how to act, how to skate, when to skate. It's just, it. I'm not interested in that side of it, you know. And there's always going to be the cool side of it, you know. But, you know, and there always has been and always will be a shitty side of it. Um, and that's a shitty side that I'm not really too interested in even, like, looking at or even talking about or promoting because it's like they're going to do it regardless you know I, it's like it's like little wayne it's another word i just don't want coming out of my mouth uh yeah it's funny i, I think about it and i'm like i i feel like if they did do it it would try to box skateboarding as an art try to box it up and fucking package it which they've already done to some degree it just makes what what we do look cooler like i feel like core skateboarders know how to promote skateboarding to skateboarders more than like Trying, you know, like I think there'll be certain skateboarders that'll always be into the street leagues and the Olympics and shit like that. But I don't think it'll sway a whole generation. I feel like no, no, it won't. But uh, which is gonna have more eyes on it, you know? And it's like, you know, little Johnny in Des Moines is gonna think that's skateboarding, you know, because millions of people are gonna tune into that. And it's like, dude, that's not what it's about. That's not skateboarding, you know? I mean, okay. yeah, that's an aspect of it, but. It's the really corny one. Yeah, if you you can't, they can't own skateboarding. That's that. I mean, that's hence the reason I started my brand and did everything I did. It's like no one, if anyone can share skateboarding, it's skateboarders that should share it and and do it. Not fucking some dude who doesn't invest his life into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but cash rules, man, and they could they could own a good part of it. That's true. That's true. Well, they could spin it, and they could put you in some spandex uniforms. Not me, not me. Well, I, I'd like to see you in some spandex uniform. It, it depends if they were like, how much a year? What are we talking? What do you think a paycheck? Fuck is? that. Fuck that. No, but let's 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 play out the the scenario. How much do you think they'd pay you to be in the Olympics? Would they? Do they? I wonder. I mean, you know, I'm sure as like an athlete that just does it, you know, they get paid enough already. That's just like a bonus. You probably get a bonus to get a medal. So, like, the Niger or something would be like, okay, this dude's, and then he would get a bonus. Because he's already the dude that's at the pinnacle of, like, mainstream of whatever the fuck that monster is. So he'd be the dude, for sure. But, like, you know. Imagine if Niger was representing the whole skateboarding, the world, in the world, or the U.S., in the world. <laughs> God, in a sense, he already does to some people. <sighs> 
I guess. I don't know. I'm kind of falling out of that whole world. Like, I've been so fucking busy with, like, my friends and skating in this area and, like, building everything here that, like, I haven't even really had time to pay attention to, like, whatever people think is, like, the coolest fucking on-top shit at the moment, you know? And yet you have a skateboarding podcast. Yeah, crazy. But I'm just talking to awesome skateboarders, and we don't even talk about, like, all that shit. It's not like, you know what I mean? It's just like we talk about life and fucking shoot the shit, and I smoke weed, fucking, just so you know I'm doing that. You are doing that. Because I do it in the middle of, like, every show, and people are like, what the fuck's he doing? And I'm like, well, I have a certificate. I paid money. I have vertigo. Like, the FBI's listening. I'm legal. Like, I don't know. They have that up there? Yeah, yeah, Massachusetts, man. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I was pretty excited on that. Um, all right, back back to the start, man. So you <coughs> did you ever try to be like a pro skateboarder? Fuck no, dude. Look at me. <laughs> well, I, now you're a shell of a man now, but then yeah. you were probably no. I'm I'm not a shell of a man. I'm actually like the the, the house you build around a shell of a man. I weigh <laughs> fucking like a hundred pounds more than I did when I was at my best. Oh, you're fucking thoroughbred then. You're stocky. Yeah. <laughs> like my best years, I look like I had just escaped Auschwitz. I was like 130 pounds wet. You could carry me as check on baggage by my rib cage. Like Jesus. just like it was bad. Like really, I think they ran a photo of it once. Somehow, Carney got a held on my like old passport uh, at Big Brother, and dude, it I was so gaunt. Like seriously, man. Like whatever that movie, I think The Mechanic or something. That oh. fucking. Uh, you know, Batman was in, like... Christian Bale, he gets yeah. fucking crazy, crazy skinny, scary skinny. He looked Chris Farley fat compared to how I, how skinny I was. Like, <laughs> it was disgusting, dude. It was like, like bones with just, like, skin, and you could see through the transparency. Totally, like, mis package, mis like, picture Mr. Burns naked. Oh, like, gross. <laughs> yeah, so gross. So you were starting with that, so that's fucking... Yeah, and that was the only reason I think I could probably ollie high at the time was because I weighed, like, 70 pounds. Wind probably just took me that's <laughs> it so high school must have been great i i dropped i uh i skipped my senior year of high school i hated high school because <laughs> you know back in my day you know uh skateboarding wasn't a sport and uh you know the jocks used to like to beat up skaters and i i didn't i had a rough time in general i put my my algebra teacher in the hospital by accident um it was just bad all around wait how, so, does, how does that happen on accident um I, I was running down the hallway. I was chasing a kid, and I was running down the hallway, and I slipped and fell and took her legs out from underneath her by accident and broke her neck. No way. Really broke her neck? Yeah. Like I said, the first my first half of my life, I was not a very good person. I don't know that I'm even that great of a person yet. But um, Well, it was accidental. Let's not be too hard. It was accidental, yeah? Yeah, spin it. Spin it for me. Okay. <laughs> it was totally accidental. I, I didn't mean to hurt the lady. Do you get suspended? Uh, one worse. Wait, what? Yeah, they uh, they said that they weren't going to um, accept me the next year. So I got suspended for the rest of the year, and then I had to go to a different school. God, that must have been fucking... <laughs> your mom was probably sh fucking shit in her pants because she's like, I'm working this damn job. Yeah. This kid and this kid's causing problems. Yeah, I suck, dude. <laughs> How do you rebound from that, though? Um, well, CeeLo was really big at the time, so I got lo I got loaded dice that rolled triple six, and I went to this new school, and they didn't know how to play CeeLo, and I taught them, and then they could use the other dice, and I'd use the triple six loaded dice. No and way. And I made a bunch of money that way. And then I was like, I'm just going to drop out of school and go to California and work in a skate warehouse or something. And then... um. 
I don't know, the guidance counselor was cool, and he was like, you can skip senior year if you want. You have enough credits. You just got to go to summer school for two weeks. So I went to summer school, and then, like, that was it. I just wound up going to uh, a college in Jersey City. I, the only the college I picked was because their brochure had a picture of New York City in the background on the front of it. Like, I had no interest in, like, going to school or being in school. I was actually an accountant major for 15 minutes. Damn, sick. At least you can say that. Yeah, man. I fell asleep in my first class, and then I woke up, and I was like, it was like, the teacher was like Ben Stein teaching the class, and he was like a professional accountant. Her ass. Yeah, he was just like, and so I got up, and I started walking out, and he's just like, he's like, where are you going? And I was like, dude, if I'm going to end up like you, I can't do this. Let- and I just walked out. It was so bumming. But- Is there something about um, New Jersey? Because, I mean, like, I've seen parts of Jersey that is fucking beautiful, like how homes that like I couldn't even ever imagine. Like, and then I've seen parts of Jersey that looks like a fucking asshole, a dirty asshole. Yeah. What is it like? And I know Jersey to New York people, they crack on Jersey. What's the thing about Jersey? Uh, well, in skateboarding, you know, it's uh, all the best skateboarders in New York City have always been from New Jersey. That's kind of our thing. <laughs> And uh, and anyone can try to contest it, but you ain't. You don't, there's no weight to your argument. Gino was from Long Island. Damn. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as far as just like living in New Jersey, we set it up to make people not want to stay here. That was kind of our thing. So like, yeah, the part you see on the turnpike as you land in Newark or drive through, we made it so that's the worst. So when you drive through it, people are like, "Fuck this place. Let's get out of here. This place sucks." And it works. We get them out as quickly as they come in. But, like, if you were to drive away from that, you would find, you know, we have beautiful oceans and mountains and farmland and stuff. But we don't tell you about that. Like, even, like, like our brochures just have pictures of refineries and, like, cesspools and landfills <laughs> so that people are like, this place fucking sucks. I'm not moving there. And it works. You know, it works to a degree. I mean, there's the rumors are flying, you know, but I've had to happen to see some beautiful homes, so I kind of knew. I was like, I want. Yeah, don't don't put it out there though. We don't want people knowing it's nicer. Oh shit! I ha- I actually have a lot of listeners. Surprisingly, like it's pretty crazy. Do you really have a lot of listeners? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That's cool. All right, all right. Um, how do we get into writing? If you dropped out of school and all that stuff, how do you think? <laughs> hey, come on! What the fuck in the middle of a podcast? You all right? Dude, no, I got. I think I have like AIDS. Or like um, uh, smallpox, because I just visited this Indian reservation in South Dakota, and I don't know what it is, but like I can't, like I bought a pack of cigs there, and I mean life on the reservation is so gnarly, but I bought a pack of cigs, and even times that I've like smoked menthol, like they were never as harsh as this. I felt like I was really like smoking glass, And, and dude, I've for like 10 days, I've had like some kind of like... Like, I don't know, like lung infection or something, respiratory infection, because I don't know, dude, they I think like the the way we're doing the Indians dirty on the reservation is like it got my ass. Wait, so. All right. Uh, this many questions. First, I'm going to say you still smoking. Come on, man. Yeah, I don't know. I've been going through a little a stress patch and uh, I had like I picked them up for a second and now I just put them back down because I came and breathed. Dude. So not smoking, but yeah, Indian Reservation Levi's flew a bunch of us out because uh, they put a new skate park in uh, Wounded Knee and then like Pine Ridge, and uh, dude, we went out for that, and it's so gnarly. Like the Pine Ridge Reservation is the biggest in the country, and already this year they've had 15 
child suicides ranging from age 8 to 15. Age 8, dude. Indian reservation. Yeah, man. So, like, their only saving grace really is, like, and their hope is that, you know, half of the 44,000 people on the reservation are kids, 19 and under. Um, and so um, they're hoping that, like, getting kids into skateboarding might be, like, an answer or a deterrent from, like, getting into drugs and getting into booze and stuff. The alcohol, it's like alcoholism runs rampant, huh? Yeah, it's that. And then like on a lot of reservations, it's um, uh, diabetes, man, because, you know, with poverty comes just poor diet, you know, like supposedly like I think it's like 70 percent of um, kids under age seven on the reservation have uh, early stages of child diabetes. Dude, it's really like. It's terrible, dude. It's It's because we fucking displaced... We ruined their family structures and, like, put them into, like, little boxes and shit. Dude, we ruined everything. Like, even right now, like, they... Not we. Not we. Not me and you. But you know what I'm saying. I think you probably had something to do with it. No, hell no. No. But, uh, (laughs) they, they rent their houses from the government, dude. Like, they don't even own the land that their little houses are on. Like, we still are, are fucking them. And, uh, we had, like, one of the descendants of... Uh, the survivors from Wounded Knee, like like one of the like worst tragedies in American history in that sense, and um, dude, that he was like going to like explicit detail of just like soldiers stomping babies' heads and killing old people and just like just graphic gnarly shit, yeah. and it was like it was a trip, man, because like as I'm listening, dude, I I felt awful obviously, but yet like I wasn't shocked. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like us. You know, that's that's kind of our thing. That's what we do, you know? And it's like we've got a history of just, you know, doing just the worst shit, like dastardly shit to people and, like, really just being unapologetic about it, you know? And uh, Think about racism wasn't even that long ago and all that stuff. It really wasn't that long ago. Like, No, well, racism is yesterday, you know? Like, it's today, you know? Not, nothing has changed. It's just, you know, people try to be more PC and they just uh, keep their racism at home. Well, I hope I hope things are changing because, I, I, I mean, we can all see each other now with all this technology. Like, me and you are just talking right now and we're in different states and it's like everyone's putting their lives online virtually with their avatars. And, like, you can kind of – everyone all over the world can see you now. So, like, like, propaganda doesn't work as much as it used to, I feel. And um, so I think yeah. racism will, like, it'll die out to some degree, I hope. I don't. You know what? I, you know what I hope kicks in more is like self hate towards white people. Like uh, that's what I have. Um, <laughs> well, this year they had fucking the they put the fucking uh, rainbow flag on the White House. Yeah, and got rid of the Confederate flag finally. So uh, I mean, Jason Dill gave me one of the greatest quotes when I interviewed him many years ago for Skateboarder Magazine. But he said he's like he's like I don't want to be white as much as you don't want to be white, Chris. <laughs> and that's why I was so psyched that he started hockey like an all white skate team it's like all right we and he told me he's like after terps no more white boys on fucking awesome you know so like that's you know one of the many reasons i love dill <laughs> but like i was in a pizza place today and this asshole had on this shirt what does it say he said everything everything i need to know about islam i learned on 9-11 it's just like man people are so stupid yeah people just want to rally around a fucking team or a flag or some bullshit because they don't want to actually like actually figure out what the fuck the problems are at least at least look into it a little bit so you can have different perspectives a lot of people are stuck in their little fucking bubble 
it's the same with the technology, I guess, too, because people get stuck in their own little bubbles and then they don't get outside of them and you don't actually know what's going on, you know? I think that's what's sick, why we got to travel, dude. Skateboarding took you all over the place, huh? No, for sure, man. And that's kind of like what I'm trying to instill in my kids because, uh, like I said, dude, I hated high school. Um, I hated my hometown. Um, I just didn't, you know, and I, and I felt like, you know, like a lot of kids from small towns, man, they feel like there's this invisible force field around it and there's no way out. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, and my kid, my kid is, uh, having a rough time already. You know, he's about to be six and, uh, um, you know, he's got Asperger's. He's already dealing with kids at school, you know, being bullied. And, hold on, hold on. What's Asperger's? Um, they don't really use the term anymore. It's autism, you know, and so, um, you know, it's social disorder, but they, uh, they he's I categorize him personally more towards Asperger's. He's super high functioning. He's smarter than you know ten adults put together. Uh, but he's just like many skateboarders in my generation, just like socially awkward and uh, just has like some social issues. And really like like me, just you know they like just can't really function. Uh, and you know you know I'm people think I'm good socially, but dude, I'm just like the reason I say the worst things is because I just, I wind up saying the worst things because my brain doesn't filter any of it. And it's just, it's fucked. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of, I like it though. I, oh, I like it too. I wouldn't change it. Um, yeah. When I first me met hope, you. And it gives me hope that the kid will be fine later in life. But, uh, um, you know, my point was that like, you know, the, like the kid, I don't even know what my point was. What did they start on? Well, so he has Asperger's. You're saying he's really, really intelligent, but he, socially he's awkward. So, I mean, what would you do to try to, like, break that down that social awkwardness? What are things you can do? I mean, we we have a behavioral therapist that comes to the house two, three times a week, and she's great, and she's been super helpful. And, like, you know, like, just kind of like, like anything, you know, with kids and dogs is, like, Pavlovian, you know. Like, you just got to, like, it's repeat, repeat, repeat. And, you know, it's like create scenarios that would be kind of adversive in the real world and just like do them at home and just teach him to handle it. Oh, the point I was trying to get to was traveling. And uh, my, like, because my boy's dealing with this at school, like, at, you know, he's going into first grade and like the first the thing I'm trying to teach him already is like, and what kids should know, like those kids on the reservation that are committing suicide at eight years old, kids from, you know, like some backwards you know bumblefuck town in the middle of nowhere like none of that shit matters man like when you turn 18 you get in the car and you go and you get as far away as you can and you don't look back and you can go experience the world and what i'm trying to do for my kid right now like i said to you earlier you know like you were there when he was 10 months old in portugal man like i take him everywhere everywhere that i can i try and take my my two kids and my wife and and have them even if they don't get it right now just like to know that there's something beyond this tiny town and this shit doesn't mean anything. These people don't mean shit. Like when you become an adult, that's when like life really starts kicking in. And I want him to see the world and know that he can do anything and be anything, go anywhere. And like the other night we were in bed and reading books and he said to me, he's like, he's like, dad, is my passport up to date? And like he hasn't used it since Portugal, and I was like, no, dude, I don't, I don't think it is. I got to get you a new one. And he, he's like, uh, he's like, because I was thinking that like, you know, I wouldn't, I want to go to India because they have these white tigers there. Like he's super into animals. He knows every animal and its habitat and everything. Fuck yeah. And so he's like, he's like, I want to go to India, but I also was thinking like, 
they have this one type of like ape or orangutan. He's, he would know better than me in Japan. And I would really like to go see that in its natural habitat. And I'm just like, go dude, go yeah. do it. You know, like you have your whole life and you can go see it, dude. You can go anywhere you want. Yeah, that's that's like if that's his, what your dreams are, he's gonna achieve a lot of them because he could actually make it happen. You know, that's, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I I agree with it to- wholeheartedly, man. When I was eighteen, Steve Rodriguez um took me to Japan for skateboarding with Fibro, and I was oh, just, yeah we had those pictures of these guys naked in Big Brother, right? Yeah, <laughs> so embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> these guys are all holding big. Was, I look back now and I'm like, yeah, whatever. But then I was like, fucking, I don't even know how old, it was, 17, 18. But uh, yeah, literally straight from the projects, Steve R is like, let's go, dude. So I'm going from the projects to another country, dude. And that's what I'm saying, man. It's like, you know, this is not like me and you talking like white privilege. You know, it's like that, dude, I've had to hustle my whole life. You know, me and my family are on the struggle now. And it's like, dude, there, but there's always a hustle. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I used to go see, I was dating this woman who lived, was living in Florence, Italy, like when I was 18. And it's like, dude, I found a way to buy a bunch of skateboards for 35 bucks off a shop. I took them over there and to Milan to those ledges right at the train station. Hell yeah sold all 30 of them to one dude at 100 bucks a piece came up and like paid for the whole trip like there's always a hustle yeah absolutely. and so like and people should like not feel like so trapped in their hometown that they 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 don't think that they could hustle their way out of it yeah it's totally possible you got to fuck and it'll help, it'll enrich your life because once you leave that little bubble like I live in New England and there's a lot of people that don't get out of here and uh you know, if you can get outside of it, you just get a different perspective of how people live, and, and it'll just enrich your life because you'll know that that's that's not all there is is that the same relationships, the same trauma, the same bullshit. You know, um, yeah, travel has been a blessing. Thank God for skateboarding, dude. Yeah, what, for sure. What, what was the first thing that? What was your first writing gig? Like, how did you get into writing? I really like. I can't even imagine gonna <coughs> take it on. Well, uh, it was kind of uh, it was kind of a trip because I went. I didn't know what I was gonna do after I like. Uh, ditch that accounting class, but I all my whole life. Are you, you good know, at adding? Yeah, I mean that's all it is is adding and subtraction. You know what I mean? It's not like you. you that that's like asking a five year old if he's good at looking. You know what I mean? Like yeah, <laughs> it, it's real. It's addition and subtraction. You don't got to know shit to do you that. Would, uh, that would have been your life dream to become an accountant, huh? Yeah, dude, I'd be so stoked. So much travel involved, <laughs> right, dude. Um, no, man. Uh, even before skateboarding, it was comic books. Like, and so I'm like a big comic book nerd. Like, Perfect. so, like when I was like three years old, four years old, I was like already in the comic books, and I would just like lock myself in my room and just like read comic books. And like that was my dream to write comic books growing up. And then I started doing that. I got a gig at this little Disney magazine, um, Disney Adventures, and then I found out how little comic book writers make, and I was like, fuck that, I can't do that for a living. Yeah, that's a side project. You're like, I'll just yeah, doodle. <laughs> that's just, exactly, that's just like for shits and giggles. And uh, I made a comic book when I was younger. I drew it all out. It was fucking not good at all, but I was stoked on it. Purple Panty What's it Man. called? Purple Panty Man. Purple Panty Man? Yeah, Purple Panty Man. Because like every superhero had panties, like Superman, all that shit. So his were purple, though. That was the gimmick. Oh, I thought maybe he went around and just like, stole panties oh no that would have been actually probably a better comic that's why you're the writer and not me dude <laughs> yeah that would have been tight i would have backed that wait so what did you write for disney so i was like i just was writing like 
little comic. I was like the editorial assistant, and I would help out with like this is around the time of the Lion King and shit. So I'd write Lion King. I was like 18 years old and writing Lion King comic books. And um, one day they, because I would always, I would always skate to work. It was like 15th and Broadway, like right around the corner from Union Square yeah. in the city, like the old Union Square with like the the bent four stair rails. Yep. And uh, I would skate to work all the time and hit Union Square before and after work. And one day they came in my office and they're like, hey, you're the skateboard kid in the office. Do you want to interview this guy? And I was like, I, I guess. Who's the guy? And they're like, I don't know. Some, you know, something bird, Tony Birdman or something. I was like, Tony Hawk. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I, yeah, of course. Who wouldn't want to interview Tony Hawk? And they're like, here's your four questions to ask him. And they were like, it was such bullshit. It was like, your favorite skate park, your bullshit. favorite maneuver. Bullshit. Uh, yeah, totally. You know, it's your favorite board. You know, like, it sucked. It wasn't even an interview. It was a What's list. What's your favorite color, Tony? Yeah. He's like, magenta. I've always loved magenta. Totally. It's just, it, it was the lamest interview. Um, it Did took you ask minutes. him? Yeah, I mean, like, he probably doesn't remember it. I barely remember it. Uh, I found it the other day, and I was like, oh, God, this is such drivel. And, uh... And then, like, two weeks later, they walked in my cubicle and handed me a check for 500 bucks, which was, like, Fuck. what I was getting, like, every two weeks from them because I was just, like, an editorial assistant. I was like, what is this? And they're like, that's 500 bucks for the interview you did. And I was like, what? You actually going to pay me for that? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, this is – but that was super easy. And they're like, yeah, that's the point. And so after that, like, I was like, dude, that's what I should be doing. That's really easy. And then uh, I mentioned earlier my buddy T. Eric Monroe, um, who, uh, side note, has the only other – there's only one picture that people knew of of Biggie and Tupac together, but he just recently unearthed uh, the second photo of of Tupac and Biggie together. And uh, and Tupac is actually wearing a a bad boy shirt. Wait, where can we see this? uh, Google T. Eric Monroe. Um, I think that – I did a story with him on Monster Children, a video – uh, it's out there now. It's pretty sick. Like he lost a bunch of his photos and then he just found them. Um, you should look into it. He, he's it's pretty sick. Like I know that you like Tupac, sadly, um, <laughs> and so I figured I'd mention that. But uh, not sadly. No, keep going, but not sadly. All right. And uh, tu- uh, Tupac sucks. I was saying. And uh, <laughs> wait, what did you say? I could... Eric Monroe. Oh, okay. Uh, got me my start because he. Um, he was like, yeah, I'm going to interview the the Roots for uh, – no, he's like, I'm going to take photos of the Roots at Irving Plaza. And this is like during their um, – no, it was at Tramps actually, uh, during their uh, – do like the tour for Do You Want More? And uh, and he's like, hey, do you want to go interview them? And I was like, dude, I, I can't interview them. Like they're a real band and I'm not a real interviewer. And he's like, just go. They don't give a shit. They're friends of mine. And so that was it. So I went and interviewed him. And uh, there was a girl at Thrasher at the time. Uh, her name was Jasmine Quinn. And uh, Eric put me in touch with her. He sold the photo. I sold the interview. And that was like my first real like skate interview was the roots for Thrasher. Dude, I know I know for sure I read it. I can't remember now. But anytime there was like any hip-hop influence in the magazines, I would read all that shit. Because hip-hop where I grew up was huge, you know? That's yeah. fucking sick. Are you were you were you more nervous with the Roots or Tony Hawk when you interview? Um, I was kind. Of, I would say it's a funny story because I I definitely the Roots 
because uh, I didn't really put much thought into Tony Hawk because I had the, the, the basic questions handed to me. But with, with the roots, um, my buddy used to get his pot photographed for the cover of High Times. And, <laughs> Love it. And he was driving me to New York City. And, you know, I'm a kid from the suburbs. I did not ever – I never had heard of edibles before. Oh, and, and and again, he lied to me anyway. He's like, hey, man, my mom made me some brownies. You want one? And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, totally fucking with me. Good had, friend. Had me eat a brownie before my first ever real interview. And I sucked, dude. I was just like <laughs> asking in slow stoner voice, <laughs> like hearing echoes in my head. You're like, your questions were like, do you like ring dings? How dude, I was, I was confessing to Black Thought uh, just how stoned I was. I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I am super high. <laughs> That's when you're really fucking high. <laughs> super high. And the raddest was I took some photos of him. He was eating, um, like, a lot of Kentucky Fried Chicken out of a Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket. So I have these photos of him, like, a bucket under his arm, eating fried chicken, and they're hilarious. Yes. And he was good enough to be like, he's like, don't worry, me too. And I was like, all right, cool. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm, you know, there's a reason I stopped smoking weed like 20 years ago. I'm not very good at it. That's all right. I'm good at it. So yeah, I'll pick you, up. you do for me. Yeah, I'll pick up the slack for you. <laughs> but yeah, man, that was it. Like, so I started doing the hip hop interviews for Thrasher. And then uh, I grew up like as a fan of Stuttering John on Howard Stern's show. Like he was my favorite, like yes. asking real shitty questions. So like when I discovered Big Brother, I was like, oh, that's kind of like, that's my where I should be. And uh, and so I started like doing interviews and asking just those kind of fucked up questions. Uh, and yeah, then, yeah, you did. And then I just pitched them to Big Brother, and they were like, they were loving it. They they were always just like, what was the deal with Big Brother? Wasn't it owned by um, the porno industry? <coughs> it was owned by Larry Flint. After a while, it started. It was originally owned by um, Steve Rocco, who used to own Your World Industries. Oh yeah. And, and then um, and then uh, he wanted to sell blunt the snowboard magazine and flint was gonna buy it but rocco was like well you can't have blunt without big brother so he actually didn't even want big brother he just wanted a snowboard magazine because snowboard mags were big at the time and he took it as a consolation prize and big brother wound up wound up outlasting them for by like another five six years yeah it was a way better fit yeah because snowboarding's gay <laughs> not, not the good gay <laughs> <laughs> I did when snowboarding once. It's all right. I don't. I know. I had fun, but it was only one time. I think snowboarding probably sucks to learn just on the East Coast because it's just like ice, and that's what I tried it once as well, and I was over it because I was just like, this sucks. And then I went to like a filming of a porno at Big Bear, and it was like fluffy cotton snow, like people are snowboarding in shorts and no shirt, and I was like, wow, maybe if I learned on that, that'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, so Big Brother. Um, you, what were some of the interviews? What were some of your more notable notable in, interviews you were psyched of? Uh, um, I, I don't I, shit, dude. There's been so many. It sucks because uh, people tend to remember them better than I do. I have a pretty shit memory, and I was on a lot of drugs back then, so it's it's not an easy recall for me. Um, what I always what I always tell people is like. It's 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 sort of like asking a plumber what his favorite sink was that he fixed. You know, it's just like, dude, I've done thousands, and and they're to me they're rather forgettable. People seem I'm lucky that people are stoked on them, but I don't know that they're, you know, all that memorable. Do you have one that was like controversial or any bullshit like that? 
I mean, there's always been, you know, like I, I seem to always find myself in those situations. Um, you know, like, you know, there's the Corey Duffel one. There was like yeah. EPMD. I remember asking Eric Sermon if they, if he was gay because that was like a thing. Um, <laughs> was he gay? I think so. Not that it matters, but it was just a thing in hip hop, and nobody else was gonna ask him, so I figured I'd ask him. It's kind of yeah, that's kind of like not that I care either way either, but um, but being in hip hop, uh, yeah, it makes sense that that was kind of a strange thing. Did he come yeah. out? Did you? I don't think he ever did. No, you know? he it's should. A shame. It's a shame. Yeah. Um, but then like you know, there was one time like um, I was I kept asking like Big Pun and Fat Joe questions wow. about uh, Jay Z and like because I hate Jay Z, I fucking hate Jay Z. I think he's the worst. I always think he's the worst. Why? You, oh, like whole, you like him, don't you? Because you like Tupac. I could tell that you probably like Jay Z. That's a whole separate thing. Let's keep going. That's First of all, you talked to Pun. Would you ask Pun? Oh, that was that was probably one of my favorite because what I used to do, like to make these interviews go smoother. Uh, what some people don't know is that like when I would show up to the interview. I would generally show up with a case of beer, like an eighth of weed, and you know a couple blunts, and and hand, and sometimes I'd even like bring porn chicks. Like I would make the environment really, really mellow for <laughs> this interview. Clubish. Yeah, it like it was, like dude, one time for a di- uh, digging in the crates crew interview, like I brought this porn chick. She almost got raped. It was like it was gnarly. I've created some weird situations that have never been documented, but uh, oh, man. yeah, man, I showed up. To pun, and I gave him like you know a, a twelve pack of Heineken and an eighth of weed and some blunts, and he got all psyched, and he's like, he's like, damn, nobody, no reporters do this. What's this for? And I was like, because this is going to be the worst interview you ever have. So I figured I'd like get you mellowed out first. <laughs> and and it was, dude. I tortured him for about a half hour just on being fat, you know, fat jokes. Um, and he was really good about it. He was really really good about it. He uh, he would make fun of me for being white. Um, rightfully know, so, rightfully so. Like a Nazi or say like the House of Pain interview was down the hall. Like he was really, he was good. And uh, like, dude, I was just like, just nothing but fat jokes. And uh, Remember one? Do you remember one? Were you the like- one? My favorite one was I, I asked him like, you know, like what his most expensive pair of sneakers were because like back then people were paying like, like crazy amounts for Jordans. And he's like, oh, I don't really wear sneakers, but these boots I got on are $300. And I was like, oh, don't you think that's a waste of money since you'll never get to see him? <laughs> and, and his wife was right there. She was laughing. Um, and, and and mind you, this is like before his single even really broke. Uh, he was only like 400 pounds. Like when he died, I think he was like closer to 800 pounds. So like mm-hmm. he wasn't even that big uh, in comparison. But yeah, at the end of the interview, it was tight. Like I, I was like, can I take some photos of you? And I put the camera to my face and looking through the viewfinder and he pulls out his nine millimeter and just puts it right to the camera. And I'm just like, I was like, dude, what? Uh, fuck, dude, I was just kidding, man. All the, I was just joking. Those were just jokes. And, uh, and he just started laughing. Like he, he got the last laugh on me. He yeah. basically made me almost shit my pants. You should have popped the photo. That would have been Instagram gold right there. Just like... I have photos of it. Yeah. Dude, well, you need to start putting stuff on Instagram or at least tag me in it so I can see it because that shit's amazing. Yeah, I got I mean, I've got tons of photos from that era that like I, I need to go through. It's just weird, man, because like I said, I was just it was like a, I'm missing like a good six or seven years of memories, and uh, so when I look at photos, it's really weird for me because I don't remember a lot of it. Is you know, it, like is it I, just because you've enjoyed it way too much? 
I don't know. I was just on a lot of blacked out drugs, man. Like people like, you know, they're like, hey, do you remember pissing on so-and-so's wife at the Big Brother video premiere? And I was like, no, dude, I didn't do that. And they're like, oh, yeah. What was it? What's the hardest drug you've ever done? Like how hard do we get to? I mean, tried all of them, but like I was just like way like, you know, turn of the century, just like way into pills, like way into like oxys and shit like that, like. Was, Why? What do those do? Is it like a numbing or something? I don't know shit. About yeah, it. yeah. It's just like straight. Like when you mix them with booze, it's just like you just pretty much blacked out. You're just on cruise control, and uh, you know, like basically, I got hit crossing South Street with Carrie Getz in 2000 when I first started Big Brother. By a car? Yeah, by a taxi cab, and uh, it was like in the Philly issue that had uh, Ben Cron on the cover holding the dog. I got run over. <coughs> And, um, yeah, man, I fucking went to the doctor when I got back to L.A., and I guess this was, like, at the height of this pill epidemic back then, and he thought I was there for drugs, so he just, like, prescribed me a hundred 1,000 milligram Vicodins with three refills, and the bottle just said, take as needed, and within, like, two weeks, I was just, like, a pill junkie. I'd never taken pills before. And uh, it turns out that that same doctor got arrested for being the doctor that got the entire cast of friends uh, addicted to drugs. It's pretty fucked. Yeah, they give those fucking things out. Like any time I like any time I've had a yeah. surgery or some sort of injury, it's like I still have them in my closet because they give you way too much. Yeah, man. And they weren't. And honestly, man, like I was so into them with the booze that like they didn't, weren't giving me enough. So like I was trading them. And like by the end, like after four years of being on it, dude, I was like. It was like Elvis, dude. I ha I would shit maybe twice a month because they make you constipated. I was so fat and bloated. And, like, mm -hmm. dude, I was up doing upwards of, like, you know, 30 and 40 pills a month. Uh, a day, rather. Dude, all right, all right. Do you know why? Now that you have the age and experience on you now, do you know why you abused it so much? I mean, they're, they're highly addictive, you know? It's like street heroin, like... Yeah, but I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know, like, back then, is it just loss of family? Like, you didn't have your father? Like, shit like that? Cause, uh, no, I mean, I don't know if it would be that deep. I just, uh, you know, I was just, you know, same as any stupid 20-year-old, like, living fast, looking to die young, leave a pretty corpse, that kind of dumb shit. You know, I didn't really expect to live past 30. That, you know, real just stupid, you know, thinking uh, uh, you do at like in your twenties. But you're still, um, but you're still doing a lot of sick stuff, though, huh? I, it was, dude. I was just on such a fun ride, and like, you know, honestly, man, like the story I always tell is like I invented time travel on a on a on a Big Brother trip. Like basically, I got from LAX to my hotel room in Copenhagen in eight minutes. Jesus. You know, full blackout with like my friends having the weekend at Bernie's off me the one flight and on to another flight. <laughs> Holy Man, shit! Or nine eleven, but like I was a, I was just a corpse, dude. Like I went and like I went in the bathroom, snorted a bunch of Zara, bars of Xanax, and and barely made it back to my seat. And then lay over in France, landed in Copenhagen, drive to the hotel, unpack, get in the room. Like I was asleep for all of it, dude. I, it was the best flight ever, though. Yeah, best flight ever, dude. <laughs> Only way to fly. I've never really fucked with pills, dude. The most is like whatever they give me. Like if I like I had a knee surgery, they cleaned out my knee and they gave me some like whatever. But um, yeah. no, it's like it's it's not much different than heroin, man. You know, it gets to the point like when you have so much, dude, you're just on the nod. I, like, yeah, well, it's like synthetic heroin. It's just like they made it. You know, it's like yeah. different brand, basically, same effects. The only reason I like it, it comes up today is because like. 
as you know, I've got 15 years of distance on it really, you know, or 10 years rather. And, uh, I just got my nose rubbed in it that like, you know, I can't get away from the shit because I was driving home last night. Um, I was in upstate New York visiting my family. I drove like five hours to go see my boy for his fourth birthday. Um, my family's away and I couldn't go cause I had to work. Yeah. Um, and so I was driving back home and I just had it pinned. I was doing like 90 coming home and of course got, popped you know i haven't been drinking lately so i was cool like i wasn't worried i knew i was just gonna get a speeding ticket and uh dude ran my license and he's like luckily i had like a my my brother-in-law state trooper card um with me from jersey and that's what kind of got me out of it because dude was like i'm supposed to arrest you right now jesus and i was like for speeding and he's like he's like no you got 10 years ago, you got a DUI in upstate New York and you never cleared your license. So technically you're not supposed to drive in New York again. <laughs> and, um, because of the nature of your crime, uh, we're supposed to apprehend you on the spot and take you to jail. Like I was tripping, dude. I haven't been arrested. I haven't gotten in trouble in so long. And I was this last night, last night. Fuck. Yeah, man. So you know, how do you, what do you just show him your shit? And he's like, ah, oh, I know that dude. Well, when I hand, the deal is you hand him the license and, and you hand him like the gold badge and stuff and, and it helps. You know, he was just, he saw like, dude, my car was packed with like beach toys and my kids toys. Like, <laughs> you know, he saw the wedding ring. He, you know, like he saw that I was stone cold sober. He was like, you know, he was cool about it. He was like, dude, you know, like I'm looking for real criminals. Like I really don't want to lock you up. Um, which I'm super thankful of. He gave me some tickets for some other shit, but he could have easily locked me up and I could have been in there right now still uh, until I went to court. So yeah, that would have been a fucking inconvenience. Yeah, man. And it was like, dude, you know, I really don't, you know, I don't drink and drive anymore because of that last incident 10 years ago. Cause I almost killed one of my best friends, Noah human, um, in, in, you know, cause I was, you know, super high on drugs and just wasted. And I, I fucking, in a blind turn in a country road, dude, I just went straight up a hill and basically did a Chinese ollie and launched my car, jumped another car, and and pushed the entire engine block into the car. And, like, my friend almost died, dude. Like, it sucked. Yeah, fuck. That is so brutal. Dude, I was I was in bad shape. And, I did, dude, I was so out of my mind on drugs at that time in my life. I got out of the car and, like... I, I was like, it was like around this blind turn. So I was like, dude, I can't just ditch the car here. So in my head, I was like, well, I'll just pull it to the side of the road. And so I put my arms through the steering wheel and I tried to pull the car to the side of the road. Yeah. And <laughs> it's gonna work. Dude, I'm not saying I moved the car, dude, but you know, they have those stories about moms lifting the car to save their babies. Yeah. So much adrenaline pumping through me. I swear I at least like moved it a cunt hair. You were really hot. <laughs> And then the cherry started flashing behind me, and all these dudes are just like, don't move. Don't you fucking move. Dude, and that's... with that, I pulled the steering wheel one more time and just, like, ripped it off. And I'm, like, holding the steering wheel as I've got, like, guns drawn on me. Fuck. Yeah. Dude. So, yeah. okay, so what changes? What changed your attitude, like, from living like that to going a more productive, I feel, more healthier lifestyle? <laughs> um, I mean... You know, it's really, it's all thanks to my lady, honestly. Like, I really, I was just, you know, in bad shape, doing, making bad decisions, in bad beds with bad women at the time, you know? So, uh. Yeah, like, it always happens that way. When you're a piece of shit, you attract other pieces of shit. 
Oh yeah, there's always room in the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh she came along, man, and uh she was just she was good, dude. She wasn't trying to get me off anything. She wasn't trying to save me. She was just like without like any unspoken thing, she was just like you know, you know, we could have this and this could be cool and maybe we could do this. And she was like painting this picture that I had never even seen or thought of, you know, like kids and a house and a dog and the white picket fence and all that. And so you have all that. I got all that. I got a ski ball machine in my basement. Fuck yeah. So, yeah, man, <clears throat> I, you know, I thank you. I thank her all the time. man. it's like I would not be here talking to you today if she didn't come along and just like show me show me that like. You know, maybe I wasn't as bad as I made myself out to be. Yeah. Maybe I I was, and, you know. No, but it's all good. It's like, you need need to, like, you know, you got to go explore, you know, not just, like, travel, but also you got to explore yourself. You got to figure out what you really care about, and sometimes you got to go to the lowest of the low to know you want the higher, you know, or the better, the better option, so... I mean, it's, you know, you can't ever regret those things. Like, no, man, that's what I tell kids all the time, like, in the shop. I'm just like, that's what your 20s are for, dude. Go fuck off. You know, like, just know that, you know, set a timer on your phone, you know, for when you turn 30. And that's when you got to get your shit together. Like, yeah. uh, the rest of the time, your 20s, you know, go make a mess. You know, like, I got buddies of mine that are, like, you know, in their 20s and own houses and, and uh, you know, and they're ahead of the game. And I'm stoked for them. Yeah. But I'm also nervous for them because they're going to turn 40, have a midlife crisis, and be like, what do they ever do? Yeah. You know? That's why it's good to get that shit out of your system early. Yeah, it's got to be an alchemy. It's got to be a blend of all of it together. You, if you go too far one way, you're fucked. If you're always playing by the rules, you're never going to live. And if you don't, you know what I mean? And vice versa, you know? Yeah. So it's got to be But at a, the same time, and I don't know if this is you at all, but, like, you know, we just, you know, we had such a good run, and it was so much fun that, like, I'm sitting in the suburbs of Jersey, dude, going a little bit crazy, know it's like i'm like dude i need some action i need like i need some adventure in my life so yeah. um you know i told my wife i was like i don't know maybe when it gets cold up here we just you know get the kids in the car and go and go do something like yeah i'm just like i'm going to pta meetings with fat house moms <laughs> you know, like complaining about just bullshit and i'm just like what the fuck are you talking about man none of that matters and i feel like Right where I started, dude, like, in a school, thinking, none of this shit matters. <laughs> if you wrote your book about your life, that's the that's right on the cover. <laughs> yeah, that should be the title, None of This Shit Matters. <laughs> I don't know if it'll help sell many copies, though. All right, well, <coughs> let's talk about the businessman, Chris Naranjo, because you have skate shops, right? I do have skate shops with my buddy, Steve Leonardo. All right, so... Skating with. So how does this come to be? Um, well... We had a shitty skate park in our hometown of Slayerville, New Jersey, the home of Bon Jovi, back in like the late 80s and early 90s. So not only does it have Bon Jovi from there, but it has a sick name, Slayerville. Yeah, it's like we're built on a landfill. It's pretty much just what you think of when you think of New Jersey, just like <laughs> high hair and low expectations. Hey, that's what you wanted us to see, man. That's it, dude. <laughs> that was our reality. I mean, like. Dude, people come and visit my mom's house and they're like, "What's that beautiful mountain in the back there?" And I was like, "That's a landfill. That's 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 a Edgeboro landfill. That's a beautiful mountain with methane pipes popping out." Yeah, man. People used to make T-shirts and bumper stickers and write graffiti all over town. Like when I was a kid, that said, uh, "I skied Mount Edgeboro." <laughs> yes. It was so gross. Um, but yeah, man, we had a we had a shitty park. 
I mean, it was great for the time, but it was wood, and it just, like, kept getting beat up. And then, um, you know, come, like, 2000, you know, my my old buddy and um, my first partner, Troy Jankowski, he um, he was instrumental in getting a, that cement park built at the Cerebral Skate Park yeah, that cool. skated. That and, uh, and so, like, it was really coming together. It was going to be a cement park, and it was, like, going to be, like, the first cement park in Jersey. And so we knew it was going to be pretty instrumental in like changing the scene and so we were like dude some shitty mom is gonna open up a shitty skate shop for their shitty 12 year old kid if we don't open a skate shop miss lucy wood and wheels is open and we've seen so many of them every town has had a shitty one and and they all come and go because you know they're not lifers and they don't give a shit about skateboarding yeah they're just like oh my kid's into skating or i have extra dough maybe i'll make money off of it and then it's like they don't keep it. And it kind of- that's the whole thing, dude. Like, when you come to, into skateboarding and, and with the idea of, I'm going to make money off it, that's when you should turn your ass around and get the fuck out. Yeah, because you're definitely not in love with it. And the people that are in love with it are going to know how to promote that and share that. And then kids are going to get hyped and fall in love with skateboarding. Whereas you're just selling them gimmicks. No, for sure. You're- and that's the thing, man. Like, you know, our shop, uh, we never have had snowboards. We never had, like tail devils or hippie bracelets or manic panic or whatever kind of dumb shit people feel they have to sell at that two wheel that two wheel thing that i've been seeing on instagram yeah whatever any of that shit like we have just only had skate shops uh, skateboards and because we grew up dude like all of our shops growing up like had baseball cards or they had flowers or they had comic books or they had just weird like one was like the shop that mike v rode for tnf was like in a hunting store and in the back, they had a little wall of skateboards. You know, like, it was never a pure skate shop. And we just said, like, whatever, man, if we're going to open up a skate shop, we just want it to be skateboards. And that's going to be, you know, ride or die. You know, it's, you know, we're probably not going to make a lot of money. It's very niche. Um, but that's what we're going to do. And somehow we've t- toughed it out 12 years. Um, Damn, 12 years? Congrats, man. That's yeah, fucking awesome. I, yeah, last month was 12 years for us. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, like, we just knew we were going to open this shop and, uh, and pretty much like July of 2003, we opened it. And then like September of 2003, that park opened and we just been going ever since. And, uh, it just so worked out that like in January of 2004, big brother shit the bed. And then, um, and I just moved home cause I already had the shop going with my buddies. So I was just like, all right, I got this set up. My lady's back there. I'm just, I'm going home. Yeah. That's so. sick. Every time I came to the, <coughs> The park and we would do demos, man. I skated fucking hard because I I don't know I was I always liked you and all, all the stuff you guys did. So I was like I gotta skate. I mean I skate hard at every demo, but that one I was like I want to skate really. I want to like really try to make a moment. And uh, yeah. that place was really fucking fun, dude. Yeah, man. It's a, it's like in a scenic park. It's got two little ponds with, that are stocked with fish. Like we've had dudes like come on demos and I just bring out the poles and they cast out and they're just catching fish. Like Sick. it's really mellow. You know, it's a mellow scene. Yeah, they had the two homes too. I remember. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm switching gears. Switching gears. Um. Oh, actually, let's stay. Let's stay right here. Hard, what's the hardest thing about owning skate shops and dealing with that? Do you have to like? What do you have? What's your role basically? Oh man. Um. My role is the same as my partner's, which is uh, survival. And right now, that's like kind of the state of the affairs with like mom and pop skate shops. Yeah. Like, like my shop and, uh, you know, 99 others belong to this uh, really cool program that Vans did called the Hardcore 100. 
And that was like five years ago. It was like the dopest hundred shops in the country. And now the program has had to be renamed uh, the Dirty Dozen because there's just not too many of us left, man. Um, you know, it's like I don't want to like get on my soapbox, but like, you know, like online shit and like big tennis companies selling their limited shoes direct to market. It's just killing skate shops. You know, like there's, you know, there's a lack of that community through online and shit like that, you know, which sucks because not, not even just for our existence, but it's like the thing I always tell people is like, you know, we're the farm league, you know, like what was the shop that you rode for that sent your sponsor me tape in? Solstice. Exactly, man. You know, there's like, you always remember that shit. Like, Pit Crew found us Bobby Warrist, you know, like, uh, you know, Escapist found us Sean Malto, you know, like these guys, these Pete, like that's the role of the skate shop is to create a scene, to find the great dude and to make sure that the brands are aware of it and, and like cultivate the great raw talent. And, uh, you know, we've had a bunch of dudes like come through for us over the years, you know, Ron Diley, you know, who's from our farm league and just, he's a, beast. Just a bunch of dudes like these, these bronze kids, uh, you know, Dick Rizzo and Josh Wilson now are coming up and like those kids are killing it in New York. Again, like the best dudes in New York are from New Jersey. And uh, it's That's just debatable. Like, it's debatable. It's not, I mean, it's really not. There's really. <laughs> I mean, I'm from Boston. I can't even fucking debate. Yeah, yeah. You got. I mean, the best guys from Boston are probably from like Canada. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Jerry Fowler's from California, and he was someone I looked up to, and I just learned that. You didn't look up to Jerry Fowler because he's four feet tall. <laughs> he's so fucking good at skating. He's so tiny. You look down at Jerry Fowler. <laughs> Jamal Williams too. With Charlie yeah, Wilkins. Charlie Wilkins. Just so lad. And I, Jimmy was like one of my. Favorites, dude. Ooh, uh, Jimmy. Jimmy, so sick. Zared Westgate, Barley. Yeah, just going. so many dudes. Oh. Uh, but yeah, man, like, so that's that's the drag. Is like, you know, Zoomies is gonna put your truck on backwards, and they're not gonna find the next eye shot. You know what I mean? Like, that's Rain Skate Shop is the one that found eye shot. You know what I mean? Like everybody, all all your favorite skaters got found by somebody else that looked them out. And that's and that's our job, you know. It's like to look for the talent and help help these guys get discovered, um, I, you know. And you could argue that like with the interweb and stuff, like you know, you can do like Corey Kennedy did and put out like a you know a part and just become like you know web famous real quick. But I'm sure you know I'm sure he even had a shop up in Washington too that helped him out. But like I don't know, it's just a weird dynamic, you know. Well, the way, well, well kind of like the way I've been trying to help our scene is I started a contest called the New England Am. And I, I have 14 and under, 15 and over, and I have a skate shop division. And last year we had 24 skate shops from New England come. And, and I figured my, my, my rational thought was like, if I could get 24 skate shops, if I could get these guys all under one roof, everyone can like talk. And each shop brought three riders each. So then you start to see, you're like, whoa, all right, these kids, there's like a huge community. And I'm like, everyone can start talking and communicating and we can kind of like build off of this, you know? Because in New England, especially Northeast, it's like we're so fragmented. It's not like California or any, it's we're so divided. So yeah, the, uh, if you guys ever want to come, it's October 3rd and 4th. You're more than invited. We did, this year it's $75 for, per team. 
three riders each, and then you, it's jam style. You come to the skater's right. edge, and the three dudes that are on the team together, they skate together, and then, you know, and then we do like a bracket style. And right. uh, we have Best Trick, where World's kicking in some cash to give away, which is pretty sick. And, uh, yeah, like I said, last year we had 24 shops, and I'm talking like, you know, the shops in New England, East yeah, yeah. Border, Solstice, all, all, I could go on an orchard yeah. and epicness. But um, the, so I, that's what I've been trying to do on my side to like really build a scene and get kids hyped because once a year you got this big event and every age bracket can be in it and they can see progression and every, all these shops are involved and it's just like, and you know, and then a lot of people are doing other cool shit and keeping it going, you know. Have you tried to have you reached out to like any allies in the area or I know you did a lot of stuff with Vans as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, we do a bunch of stuff. Just, you know, we're friends with all the dudes in the other shops, you know, but everybody's on the struggle, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, we used to have it once a month where, like, 200 kids were standing in line outside, you know, waiting for, like, some exclusive shoe, and now that doesn't exist anymore, you know? So that, like, it's tough, man. It's a really tough racket. So um, anybody that comes to me, and a lot of people do come to me, ask me for advice on, like, they want to start their own shop, and I'm like, dude, don't even do it. You know what I mean? I like I know you want to be a part of skateboarding in some way and you love skateboarding, but like, you know, retail is a tough racket, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Yeah, I don't. I mean, my friend JV that owns a shop, New Bedford, Mass Solstice, he's been doing it for 18 years. And uh, he says the same thing. He's like, you know, I enjoy it, but it's not like I'm making money. It's just like, you know, this is what it is. No, it's a, you know, it's. The clubhouse, it's a hobby. You know what I mean? The price of skateboards haven't changed since, you know, the 80s, since I was a kid, you know? And it's like, you know, the simple math is like, dude, you pay 36 bucks for a board. You know, it's 250 to ship it from California. We give free grip. Now you got 41 bucks, and we charge, you know, 50 bucks for the board. So it's a $9 profit. I tell people in other, like, businesses what our profit margin, and they just laugh. They just laugh. They're like, why would you do it? <laughs> And I was like, because I'm an idiot, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, but it, it definitely, thank God for that. Thank fucking God for that, because if it wasn't for Solstice Skate Shop in New Bedford, Mass., like, that was my dream as a little kid. Like, just fucking, I want to be a professional skateboarder. And because of them, and only because of them, really, because they showed me the world and taught me the whole fucking thing and got me so excited on skateboarding, the art of it, not even, like, what could come from it, just, like, power slides, back tail slides. Like, I watched those dudes in videos, you know, and I w looked up to them because they were doing stuff that, like, I couldn't even fucking imagine doing on a skateboard, you know? And it's because they were living it, and they loved it, and they were sh they were fighting for it, and they were investing their money into it and shit like that. And th that's what I try to, like, carry on as well. Like No, for sure. I mean, that's the role of the skate shop owners, to, like, create lifers, not kooks, you know what I mean? Like, that's, we, you know, we, we, got, we opened up when BAM was huge in 2003, and, you know, Granted, we sold hundreds of band boards, and, and a lot of kids that are Fucking still... cleaned up, for sure, dude. Like a lot of kids that are still down with us and are still skating 13 years later, you know, they started because they bought a hardogram deck, and that's what sparked them, you know? Sick. So, you know, there's you know there's that argument for the Olympics that, like, hey, maybe that'll spark them and they'll stick with it, but, like, I just don't want them at, coming in asking for, like, stars and striped spandex, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's our job to, like... Make sure we don't create kooks. Yeah, and it sucks if you're selling shit you don't really care about, you know. Like to some degree, if you're just if they're all coming in looking for some bullshit, and you're just like, "Fuck, this isn't why I had a skate shop to begin with," you know? Like. Yeah. No, and people, you know, people have asked, dude. They've asked for like the worst stuff, and I'm just like, 
like, dude, we don't do that. We don't carry any of that shit. That's our job is small. Like me being a small skateboard brand, my job is to make sure I promote skateboarding for the right reasons and hype it up so kids are hyped on skating and not, like, winning a contest. Um, all right, enough about that bullshit. <laughs> all right. All right, so your whole family's named Chris, pretty much, huh? Yeah. Wait, so how many Chris's do we have? Um, I'm Chris, my wife's Chris, my two sons are named Chris, and I wanted to name the dog Chris, but she wouldn't let me. <laughs> she drew the line at the dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's funny. Was it, So what's the deal? You just were psyched on the name Chris? I, I was just like, I was really psyched when uh, I found out that George Foreman, all of George Foreman's kids are named George. Fuck yeah, that gets me hyped. <laughs> and like generationally too, like George the second, George the third, you know, like, so I was psyched on that because I was like, wow, that's a man that's really been punched in the head a lot. <laughs> and uh, And then he had a daughter and instead of like, maybe naming her Georgia, which I think is a beautiful woman's name. He named her Georgette. Oh, man. And I was like, that's great. That's just <laughs> great. You know, he's like, that's committing to a joke. And I was like, Dude, I, you know, like, I, I like to commit to a joke. <laughs> so, so I'm down with it. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I, that's, well, that's the whole reasoning. Where'd you take me? Down to your basement? Yeah, yeah, folks, uh, my family's coming home from vacation right now. And, uh, it's about to get crazy up there, so I oh. went down to my basement office, which is also our storage room. So uh, I used to have an office, but then I had kids and had, and got vanquished down here. So if you ever need pasta or uh, sippy cups or juice or anything, you just yell through the floor, and uh, and then I and I grab it and I just run upstairs with it. Dad just brings it up. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't have kids, man, so I don't. I and we don't plan on it. For the, I mean, kids are amazing. Don't get me wrong, but you get financially, snipped? financially, kids. Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah, but they're so cool, man. Oh, I imagine. I know if I had one, I would fucking love it, and I it, the money wouldn't even matter. One hundred percent, it wouldn't even. I would not give a fuck. But I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, ah, I want skateboarding in my life more. <laughs> at this moment, at this moment. For sure. But hey, somebody's gotta wipe your ass someday. That's true. Ford ain't gonna do that for you. That's true. That's true. I didn't think that far ahead, Chris. Fuck. Now I got shit to worry about and think about. You think all you need is skateboards? <laughs> yeah, but I'm. I got to. Oh, you needed somebody to wipe your ass. Now I got a garden. I got a garden in the back now. You just wipe your ass on the garden. You just <laughs> sit on the floor and just rub your butt. Well, I don't know. It's like I don't have a kid, so now I'm growing tomatoes and zucchinis, and uh, a little bit easier. It's sick because they say money doesn't grow on trees, but I pay money for vegetables, and now I don't really. Now I don't. Because it, yeah. it grows from the ground. And that was something I just tried. I just, like, went out back and was like, fuck, I've always thought of, like, having a garden. I just put some seeds in the ground and watered it. Not the tomatoes. The tomatoes we bought at Lowe's and then we transplanted it. But I put some zucchini uh, seeds in the ground and it's fucking killing it right now. Why do you grow pot? That, that's real money. Oh, I know, but I don't know. It like, seems like too much work. I People have lights. That's, and like, such stoner mentality. Yeah, I don't – I'll just buy it. Like, I don't – like <laughs> – Oh, it's all the it's hypocrisy at its finest. Everything I said before went out the window. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. Kid, my uh, my oldest kid is he's amazing. He, and like just the other day, he finally proved that he's for sure one hundred percent my kid because he's like starting to like get like deliver jokes and his comic timing is just spot on. That's awesome. So um, 
Have you been to my house since I got those ledges built in my driveway? No. I, the ledges? No, I saw I've got, those. I've got, um, on one side, I got uh, a ledge over a uh, grass gap, and then uh, I got three up-up ledges, like, in on the other side. I remember I was at your house, and there was, like, they weren't done. Okay. Yeah. Oh. It looked fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm stoked. Um, But anyway, I was out there dicking around, waiting for my kid to get off the bus, and he gets off the bus, and I always offer him the skateboard. He's like, you know, he's hit or miss on it. Sometimes he's into it, sometimes he's not. And uh, I was like, hey, you want to ride the skateboard back to the house? And he's like, no, I'm just going to walk today. And I was like, all right. And so I start skating back to the house, but I got to look over my shoulder because, you know, he's been known to bolt from time to time. And uh, I'm looking over my shoulder, and there's a crack. I know this crack inside and out, you know. And sure enough, because I'm looking over my shoulder, boom, get caught in the crack stack it right to my face Ooh. and my kid just goes dad and i was like i thought he was like worried that i was hurt or something he's like dad you're getting really good <laughs> does he know what good means <laughs> and i was like and he was like no, he fully like he just knew he was jabbing me and i was like All right, you got my ass <laughs> got my ass good for him good for him that is very that he could pick that up from dad not mom for yeah. sure <laughs> Another cool thing I thought about your lady is she has two different color eyes. Yeah, she's got two brown eyes, one blue. Is that normal? No, she's a mutant. It is, right? Yeah, it's a mutation. Yeah, and it's like pretty drastic. It's like, but it's sick looking. It definitely reminds me of the X Men for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, jumping around. I, you were talking about comic books. What ones were you into? Uh, the X Men was my favorite for sure. Like. Okay. uh yeah, I own them all, like, from 1 to 300, like, so I was, like, such a nerd. Yeah, that's pretty nerdy, but you yeah, got them. Yeah, super nerd. <laughs> Is it, it's probably a good collection, you probably get some money if you ever... Yeah, you know, I'll hand them to the kids, they probably won't know what they are, but... Um, that's true. That's just, like, my goal is, like, to hand them over one day, like, and we've been reading, me and the older one have been reading them lately, so he's been getting into them. That's it's good. cool, you know, like, you know, it's, um, I, I don't know, it's a dying medium, you know, because, like, I feel like people just know superheroes for movies, but I, I feel like I feel like they're great for like a five, six year old. Like they're really fun, and he gets really into them. Yeah, it's sick to see the creation of a comic book. Like you see it, and you're like, they're drawing this shit out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just the whole um, art of it is fucking sick, and that's why I was in it. I just wanted to get a ruler and a piece of paper, and I wanted to make the boxes, and I wanted to draw in the boxes, and I wanted the boxes to go in a sequence so it would tell a story, and like. That's why I've done comic books. And with yeah. the way people took it so much further than me, I drew Purple Panty Man, and that was it. I'm back in Purple Panty Man. You should make a graphic. I'm going to have to try and find it. My mom kept it in a manila folder for years, and, like, if I could find that, I'm definitely going to Instagram it and share it up for sure. Yeah, you might want to just redo them, get them going. Yeah, I'm nervous. I haven't drawn in a long time, but <laughs> but maybe I'll do it again. <laughs> Change his origin, make him a panty thief, panty raider. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We got to touch on the porno films for Vice, man. Okay. So, I, I, you've seen a lot of porno, no? Yeah, who hasn't though? No, but I mean, like, have you been there for filming of it? You've interviewed porno stars, like. Yeah, for sure. More than the average, I'd say, because yeah, a lot of kids probably watch some porno. Good for you guys, and uh, but you've done it beyond that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I've made my own at home. Um Good for you. I, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I've been on set. It's um it's 
they do a good job in the editing room making that something that you could get off to. Because when you're in the room with like 20 other dudes <laughs> and somebody's farting over here and another guy's eating a donut over there. and In person, the lighting just looks weird and there's more hair than you could really make out. But oh, it's just, yeah, <laughs> it's gross, you know. Um, so. Is that from Big Brother, like the link between them and Larry Flint and then getting into that world? Yeah, for sure. Um, what happened was... No, I mean, I guess it came actually before that. I, got, I don't know. I had some weird... Oh, what it was was uh, there was an old graffiti artist named Zephyr. Uh, he's like OG, like from the 80s. And just being around New York City, like in the early 90s, and just like being in the hip-hop scene, um, I got to meet him. And then um, I met his wife, and she was working at this like... Uh, I don't even know, like a studio that put out like a bunch of porno mags. And uh, I was staying at a, a dude's house, a friend of mine's house on West, uh, Central Park West. And he was just like doing tons of cocaine. Like, and he's like, you can stay here for free. Um, you just have to do cocaine with me. And I was like, <laughs> all right. I was like, all right, well, that sounds easy enough. But God, it was just too much cocaine, man. It was just like I, ha- I had to get out. So I took a job. Um I had to like, I was just like, yeah, I gotta go to work. I, like, <laughs> I can't do coke. I gotta work. Yeah, dude. I was just like, I have to go to work. I have to leave this apartment. Cause like, dude, he was like, I don't know, man. He just had an endless bank, uh, allowance like from his old man. And it was like, huh. he was like doing like five, six, seven hundred bucks a day in coke. Really? Dude, it was nuts. And it was all day. And I tried to go to sleep and he wouldn't let me go to sleep. And it was just another thing I've never done before. Is it yeah. crazy? Is it? Uh... Like, what's the high from a cocaine thing? Gosh, shitty conversations, oh. you know? Uh, it's just <laughs> limp dick. I don't know. It's, I don't know what... Us. You're just, you know, you're awake. You want to be awake? Do some cocaine. Um, I don't know. It's whatever. Um, but, yeah, man, he was doing tons of it, and I was just like... I was. I thought, I was like, oh, my God, free Manhattan apartment for the summer. No, I'm mad at that. I can do this. Little did I know I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that much. You tried. That's all that matters. So um, <laughs> got a job um, at one place. Uh, what is it? it might. I don't know if it was a Zoomies. I feel like Zoomies didn't exist then. So wait, you quit a job where all you had to do is blow cocaine. You quit it. So you're a quitter. I didn't quit. I, 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 I took like a sabbatical. I joined the day. You know, I, uh, I was, I, I, I left. For eight hours during the day, times a week. <laughs> Sounds about right. So, um, so Zoomies? No, not Zoomies. Wasn't Zoomies? Zoomies didn't exist yet. This well, is like make a game up that will sound like something like that. Kaboopy. No, it was Blades. Blades. Remember Blades? Um, is it? It's shop in New York. Yeah, yeah. They had a ton of them back then. I don't know if they have so many of them, but this was like in a Manhattan mall, and uh, it was dope because all like um, the Euros would come. And spend their money at the Manhattan Mall, mm. um, and so they'd come in and they'd like rollerblades were a big thing back then. I didn't know anything about them. I just point I would get commissioned, so I just pointed to the most expensive ones, and they would buy those. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then like whatever, I, I I worked in the skate section, but like all the Euro chicks would come in, you know. And I was like 19 at the time. It was perfect. Um, yeah, I'll show you around Manhattan. Um, but yeah, anyway, bad. I was I was so like. I was coming down every time my shift was like on. Uh, so like I would just either be late 
or not show up <coughs> or I can come in, it. punch in and then go in the back. And like, I would take all the sweatshirts out of a box and then climb in the box and put the sweatshirts back on top of me. <laughs> so I'd be punched in, but nobody could find me. And I'd just be asleep for hours in a box of sweatshirts. They're like, where were you, Chris? You're like, I was fucking folding in the bag. I was working hard at work. I was right there. I was right in the back. You just didn't um, walk by me like three times. <laughs> yeah. I think that came to a head because, you know, I showed up late and my regular manager wasn't there and some like regional manager was there and I showed up like an hour late and just like, you know, like white all over my nose, like bloodshot. I just looked at train wreck and he's like, you're late, go home. And I was like, wait, are you firing? And he's like, no, just go home and just come back your next day. I was like, like, face. I was like, dude, I came all the way down here. Like, you're either going to fire me or you're going to let me work. And he's like, well, I'm not letting you work. Well, then I was like, then you're firing me. He's like, I'm not saying that because they didn't want to pay what whatever the unemployment. Yeah. So I was just, I was like, well, fuck it, I quit. And so I just walked out and uh, I happened to run into Zephyr, like, like right outside. And he's like, oh, my wife needs like a copy editor. Don't you do that? And I was like. No, but I can lie my way through it. And so I became um, the copy editor at this publishing house for um, Blacktail, um, uh, over 40, over 50, Dang. over 60, Dang. which was gnarly. Sounds and like- then uh, a bunch of like uh, gay magazines like um, Latin Inches, Black Inches. White inch. Damn right, like they should have magazines too. Equal rights, they should have magazines as well. Totally, man. So, like, dude, it was crazy. So I was lying. They're like, yeah, you know, which which uh, which grammatical hand, what handbook of style do you subscribe to, Chicago or New York? And I was like, New York. I'm I'm in New York. Fuck fuck Chicago. And they're like, yeah, fuck Chicago. And I had no idea what they were talking about. And there was no Google at the time to Google even what they were talking about. So. I just like I had I went to Zephyr's wife and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and she's like, I'll help you. It's super easy. And so, like, I just lied my way for, through the first couple of weeks. And that was like my introduction to the porn world. And I had to go on assignment and do stories like and stuff like that in Manhattan, like weird little porn scene and weird little sex dungeon stuff. Like I took like a bunch of zoo guys to this weird S&M porn set like this is and this is like 94 95 you know what I mean like weirdness dude. like the <laughs> dude comes out wearing like a paper bag over his face with holes cut out like it was sketchy sketchy weird stuff man um yeah so were you that was like the <laughs> you're just game though you didn't give a fuck oh I didn't care he got me out of the house to not do as much coke you know so it was like saving my life damn that's um, so strange Sorry. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it's cool. It, it, it was totally bizarre. And then so, like, it made sense when I finally got the job at Big Brother and I was working for Flint. Um, I just started doing side jobs for Hustler and just doing freelance work for them. And, um, you know, I made friends with the, the chick who did all the casting for, like, the magazines and the videos. And, yeah, that was pretty amazing because she, uh, she would let me uh, eat my lunch in her office while she was, like, taking the Polaroids of the chicks. And so I would just I would just be up there like eating a roast beef sandwich with like mayonnaise dripping down my face and not say a word and uh, she just you know, and just girls would just be bending over and doing their thing and then um 
yeah, man, like they they just thought I was, you know, some dark man or something, you know, like hustler dark man because I didn't say anything. Then I you definitely were. Yeah. And but I was like, I worked for the skate magazine. They didn't know. And they. uh Yeah, they would just be like uh, getting dressed and I would dip out and the building was in the shape of a, an oval. So I would like take the long way around to the elevator and time it. So I would like meet him at the elevator. And I was like, hey, you want to check out my office? This is this is what you got paid to do. Yeah. So you so you um you just described the perfect job for most guys. I don't know. I don't know if it's you know. I wouldn't take the job now. Probably. No, but single. If you're twenty year old. If you're single and young, (laughs) this is what you get to do to make money. They're all gonna do it. Yeah, beats digging ditches for sure. Would you say you're born? You're um that helped build your empire. Porn had a play in your empire, Chris. Oh, more than you would know, actually. <laughs> um, because back then, um, like a VHS of Jenna Jameson was like eighty dollars. Who can you know? You can't even imagine it now. But like, dude, it was so expensive, and like mags were like thirteen bucks a piece, and I had just like access to a vault, Damn. just a vault, a treasure trove of porn. And so uh, when we were getting the skate shop open, uh, I just sent boxes out to just a bunch of friends in skateboarding. And I was just like, hey, dude, here's a huge box, you know, probably valued at like a thousand dollars worth of VHS tapes. If you would be so kind to send maybe like a dozen boards to my mom's house or a dozen sets of wheels to my mom's house. And I traded I traded porn for product. And that was like kind of the hustle that we, you know, helped get. Uh, NJ Skate Shop opened with. You're everyone's best friend at that point, dude. If you're the guy who's like, I got this much porn, here you go. <laughs> dude, and like, the hustle the hustle back then for me, like, on the personal level was um, whenever we'd go on like a demo tour, I would just, whatever town I was going to, I'd find out what the local skate shop was. I'd call them in advance and be like, hey man, I'm coming out. Um, I don't want to travel with all these drugs, so I, I need somebody to find me drugs. If you can give me a number for somebody that can get me drugs. Um, I was, like, into tattoos at the time. So I was like, hey, if you can find somebody that will trade me porn for tattoos. And then um, if you can uh, give me a number for somebody that will trade me porn to take me and who in exchange will take me go fishing. And so uh, they were like, yeah, sure. So I would send a box of porn to the skate shop. And then I'd send a box of porn to each of those three guys. And then when I showed up in town, it was like I would just, like, kind of – you know, disappear from the team and like yeah. show up a day later and they'd be like, where are you? And how are you so high? And I was like, Oh dude, I got the hook up here for the drugs. And I went fishing. I was really and I high. And I check out this tattoo I got. <laughs> uh, so that was like, that was my deal. And, uh, Fucking hell. and the biggest payoff was obviously in Utah because Utah sucks, uh, for a lot of things. And mainly because, uh, the alcohol content is low. And oh, yeah. secondly, because, um, they don't show penetration in their porn. Son of a bitch. Yeah, so I was sending, like, straight gonzo DP porn to these dudes, <laughs> which I could have possibly gone to jail for because it's not allowed in the state. I didn't know that. Is it because uh, of religion? Uh, what's the religion there? Mormon. Is it because of that, you think? Probably. Jesus. I don't ask. I don't care. Don't ask, don't tell. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so, dude, I sent these dudes boxes of, like, gnarly, gaping asshole porn, and they were just like, when I showed up, dude, my feet never hit the ground. <laughs> like, 
they they were so hyped. It's like you would think they'd never seen a pussy before. You have a statue in front of their basketball gymnasium. It's just yeah. you, like a box of porn. They got rid of like that founding father of Mormon. <laughs> Fuck, dude, that's wild. Good for you though. Good for you. My true American success story right there. <laughs> um. All right, I want to move ahead a little bit because I've held you up long enough, but I got a little more I want to talk about. All right. Um. You think anybody's still listening at this point? I guarantee it, dude. No way. I listen to three-hour podcasts on the breaks. I'm not even listening to you at this point. The majority of people work nine-to-five jobs, and they can listen to headphones. And while they're doing that, they're listening to philosophers, scientists, comedians, assholes, apparently. And, and like, this is what they get new information and data and silliness. And, like, I'm at work listening to Joe Rogan laughing at work. I do, like – it's screen printing and embroidery. I'm like shipping and receiving, um, and I just fold all the clothes up. And I'm sitting here like listening to like whatever. I'm learning about shit. I'm laughing. Like I'm laughing out loud at work while I'm just doing it. Well, yeah. Anybody that's lasted this long, I apologize to. And uh, I owe you some porn. Yeah, that you definitely need to hook them up. But I wanted to ask you about: um, Are you still work? How do you feel about the United States? Because I remember the last time. This is many, many, many years ago when we went to Portugal. You were saying you 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 might want to live in Portugal one day because the states you're just nervous about the economy and all that stuff. And we went through a recession and all that craziness. Where's your state of affairs now? Yeah, man. I'm you know I I'd still like my end game to be like a little farmhouse in the north of Portugal. Um, no podcasts, no Wi-Fi, no cell phone. Uh, I mean, that's like that's like a dream for me. Um, I don't know how soon that can become a reality because I do have two little kids. But, um, you know, this country, I don't like to get all political, honestly. You know, like that was like a sticking point for me and Carney back uh, in Big Brother. And I don't think people really give a shit about politics um, or should rather um, because politicians don't give a fuck about us. Um, You know, but you got like Donald Trump out there talking like Max Hedrome, you know, like it's just we've got people are like the politicians are insane and uh, this country's fucked. And eventually it's going to be like Brazil where there's extreme rich and extreme poor. And the thing is that all of us have guns and there's going to be an uprising at some point And I don't want to be here for it, you know. I really like, think it'll go that far, though? I don't think. Fuck, I hope so, man, because, like, the shit that the cops are pulling, man, is not kosher, you know. It's really not cool uh, how a lot of people feel uh, in this country as Americans, you know, and they have it a lot worse than I do, but I can I can feel for them, you know, and, and I feel awful that um, I get, because of my the color of my skin, I'm lumped in uh, with a whole lot of stupid people. Yeah. And, uh you know, I, I feel really bad, man. We, you know, and we, like I said, you know, about the Indian reservation, man, like this is our history. This is what we do, you know, as, as white Americans, we, we rape, we destroy and we kill. And, uh, I think, you know, maybe, I don't know, around the 300 year mark, people are going to finally get fed up with it and just fucking lose their fucking mind. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't really particularly want to be here for that. Um, and there's a ton of other reasons, but, uh, you know, I, I love this country. Um, you know, I, I, I hinted at it earlier, you know, my, my mom didn't really have like the best, uh, life here. You know, she came over from Portugal chasing this American dream and, uh, you know, and she got the shitty end of the stick 
Uh, I do love this country. I, I know that we are a lot freer than a lot of other countries, um, but I don't really like the direction it's going. Uh, I feel like uh, we are becoming less and less human, uh, if that's even possible. And we've come from a really ugly, inhumane past. So, um, I don't know, dude. I don't really, you know. I feel I like I, what I say to people is like, it's a good country. It's not perfect, but it's a good country for sure. But it's For not. sure. And, and Portugal's an economic re- mess. You know, Europe's a mess. You know, like everybody's a fucking mess, you know. But it's like, I don't know, man. I think the mess. I, I think the mess is that because we're in a changing period. Whenever something's growing or changing or whatever, it seems crazy because it's progression and you're moving forward. And then, and with the internet and with everything, people are starting to like, kind of like see things and hear more information and be more connected and understanding. And that that's why we see all the craziness is because there's there's like a turbulence because we're going through a growing pain, if you will. Yeah, I mean, and and that's and that's a. Fine theory. I think we're just assholes. <laughs> I, Straight I'll, up. I'm, I don't know anything. I'm just guessing. <laughs> like, think about it, man. You, you, you're, a, you're a professional skateboarder. You go you go on demo tour, and uh, if kids had their way, you would get back in the van uh, with in wearing nothing but your underwear. You know, it's like, can I have your board? Can I have your wheels? Can I have your shirt? Can I have your hat? Can I have everything? You know, you go to a different country, man, and they're just – it's like when I was a kid, man. They're just really – reverent and excited to see skateboarders and the joy that you gave them by performing for them is enough you know like i would never in my youth ask uh pro i was scared of pro skateboarders like matt hensley came to town i was like in awe dude like yeah we'd see mike be around and i was still in awe you know like i would never fucking ask the man for the shirt off his back you know and like and those kids from different country they're happy with what little they have dude and it's like we just we're just spoiled, you know, and we just and the story that I always tell is like, dude, when I, when we were when we lost power for two weeks with Sandy, dude, like people became animals, man. They pulled out guns, they were robbing people, they were stealing people's generators. Didn't care if families went cold. Like I went, I finally found after four days our generator ran out of gas, like real like Walking Dead shit, man. And like I had to find gas, and there was no gas around. And finally, uh, I found. I found I found a uh, Hess station that had gas, and it was like a hundred cars online and two hundred people online holding canisters. And I was like, my first thought was like, there's no way they have enough gas for these people. Yeah. So I went to the front of the line with my gas containers, not to cut it because I'd be uh, it'd be a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. But dude, I go to ask the guy it how much gas he has and before a word can get out of my head. A full can of Coke just whizzed right by my head, dude. And I was, I turned around, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And somebody's like, get in the back of the fucking line, asshole. Jesus. And I'm like, dude, it's only been four days. We're still human. I'm just, I'm, do you think I'm crazy enough to cut a line full of people and not get, think I'm going to get lynched? Yeah. Fuck I it. just want to know if there's enough gas. There's always going to be that asshole, though. There's dude, always going to be that. But it's going to get, it's going to get magnified to the nth degree when people have no food when they have no money when they have no means dude (laughs) we might not even make it that far it could be our kids 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 or something you don't know and and trust me when i kiss my kid good night every night i apologize to him trust me dude i am sorry that i brought you into this shit so it's safe to say you're pessimistic you can see that tiger man because (laughs) Best memory you ever have. <laughs>
pessimistic because dude the truth is i don't know i don't see it as as groom like that i used to be super angry and think it was like all gonna fall apart but now i just i think it just takes longer than you expect but who fucking knows yeah man i hope i hope um okay before we wrap it up let me make sure i covered everything oh i wanted to ask you a little bit about adventures with chris you're still doing this as far as I know, I, you know, the dudes just killed it uh, for five years, uh, doing, like making the propeller video. So um, I didn't bother them at all during that. And that's just, you know, that just premiered in May. And uh, I've been just going kind of radio silence uh, with the dudes on that end for a couple months. It's like, you know, they just they just killed it. That was like the best video in a long time. Yeah, it was so, not they do. I'm not going to, like, pick up the phone and be like, yeah, that was great. You want to start filming some other shit? <laughs> I like it, though. Um, what's What was the idea behind Adventures with Chris? Did you come up with the concept and everything? Yeah, I mean, I just – all the dudes on the Vans teams got, uh, like, just amazing personalities, and they're all into, like, different shit uh, personally, you know, like, off the skateboard. So um, I just wanted to go do cool stuff, you know, and it's like I wanted um, – I hate day in the lives because it's like, yeah, well – yeah, we all wake up and we go eat some shit and we have a cup of coffee and we go skate and we go to sleep. It's like, I don't give a shit about that. I wanted to kind of like create something that really isn't a day in the life. It's like, yeah, we're, I'm going to get Daniel Lutheran to go shoot a porn cho- porn star at the House of Anne's or, you know, I'm going to, you know, go diaper shopping with Tony Trujillo, you know, like just random stuff, you know, like. That's awesome. Know. And so kids could be just like, okay, well, that's an experience I definitely would never have had yes that sounds fucking awesome so well i hope they pick it back up make sure you reach out to them because that's that's what skateboarding needs right now they need like um different type of content hence the reason i do the podcast because there's so much to skateboarding you know they box we used to the the big money can like promote skateboarding however they want but like we have the stories and the heartbeat so we can do cool stuff and create cool content with that and that's that's what we got to do so and I always really liked them, dude. I watched some of the videos and all the stuff, and I, I like different expressions and personality. And you'll talk to anybody and do anything sick. You'll do out of the box shit, as you can tell. Like, um, definitely a big fan. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Chris, yeah, those guys are great. The whole team is just like it's super sick. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Um, it's funny, like more and more people are coming on the podcast, but podcast is kind of something new to skateboarding, I guess since i'm like the first dude i think um tim o'connor has one actually mike v has a podcast oh yeah um tim o'connor there's a couple other skate ones out there skate to create to get another one but um i think uh there was a kid um from north carolina templeton elliott has yeah. got one mostly skateboarding yeah mostly skateboarding um i don't i don't listen to podcasts at all i am constantly told that i should um, I'm also told that I should do a skate one because I'd be better than all these guys, but, uh... No, you wouldn't be better. You'd be yeah, okay. I'd, no, I'd be <laughs> Maybe them, not me. I, I'd be so much better. <laughs> I've but, already had you on my podcast, though, so, like, if anything, I'm planting a seed, so now you have to give me credit forever. Even no, if, yeah, I've been off, I've been asked so many times, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just haven't. You know what, I, the only thing that I, 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 I think would be cool is, like, um, I, I have all these... Like, I don't want to do a real podcast, but I have, like, tens of thousands of audio cassettes from, like, the past 20 years of me interviewing people. Gold. You have fucking gold. And I feel like that would be maybe cool to, like... Yes, you're sitting on gold. Upload and let people... Like, I don't want to do, like, you... I, like, 
you know, I like I said, I haven't listened to yours, but this it seems like a fun format, you know, just bullshitting with you and like, you know, Tim's a funny guy. I'm sure like I don't really want to jump in that ring. Yeah. Um, but it would I think it'd be cool to like let people hear um how like you know, like a lot of my interviews go like an hour and a half long and then they get edited down to like twelve hundred words. So there's like a lot of meat that's like left out there that people never got to read which will show authenticity like hearing it and being like whoa like you know what i mean because that's like the real humanness of it is gritty nitty like the stuttering and all the like the conversation dude yeah dude you should definitely fucking do that and and there's plenty of room and i would listen to that shit all day well monday through friday saturday and sunday i got shit to do no it's it's the lord's day <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah um think of a name Think if I come up with a name. Well, I, dude, I don't know how do I how do I get an, I use audio cassettes though, man. I don't know how to, I gotta figure out how to like. Oh yeah. That's like. Shit, you're like old. <laughs> you're te- know, dude, I'm about to be forty in February. <laughs> Your technology is so old. It's funny. yeah, but it works, dude. The, <laughs> the wheel's spinning. I I know it works. How do you? How, yeah, you gotta Google like how to get that on the computer. Oh, there you go, dude. That's amazing. Dude, I got, like, a tape recorder with audio cassettes. I got to buy both off of eBay because nobody sells that stuff anymore. <laughs> I Girl. seriously buy them in bricks of 100. You're fucking old school, man. Yeah, man, but I see that wheel spinning. I know it's working. <laughs> cool. Okay, Chris, what would the name be? Uh, dude, you put me on the spot. I'm stoned. I don't know. All right, All right. you don't have to. Don't reveal it now, but if you, wanna, if you do come up with a podcast, you got to come back on, and you got to announce the name on my show. Deal? All right. Sounds good. Fuck it. It's on my to-do list. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for this interview. If that's what it is, on a conversation. It's just nice to catch up for real. It's always good to talk to you, Anthony. Yeah, you've always been a real dude in skateboarding, and when I met you, I kind of instantly recognized that, and I've I've looked up to you in some ways, man, and I I appreciate you taking your time. Hell yeah, man. It's always good to talk to you, Anthony. Take care of yourself, buddy. Tell the Chris's I said hi to. I will, for sure. All right, peace. Later, man. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time. Oh, hell yeah. Say come on. To all my people where you at, put your fist up. We gon' twist up. Say come on, come on. Experience the train. Hop the board. Come on. Experience rockin' with the reed. 